All right, we got Oren Adrich. Said that right? <laughs> uh, mindful expert, founder, and president of Institute for Transformational Thinking. Writer. Uh, one of your books is the top ten of or top one hundred of all time. Congratulations! Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Tommy, for having me. The first one thing that stuck out to me, you have some great interviews, by the way, and you did one with uh, Dr. Brenner um, about women getting breast implants and the alarming amount of rate that that seems to correlate with autoimmune disease. So then imagine getting the autoimmune disease and then having to get it removed. Those two combined. What a mess. What what did you learn from that? Because you've had uh, Peter McCall on. We have two and a bunch of other doctors, and uh, how do you say Vera's last name? Uh, v- v- Guerrero. Uh, Guerrero. Vita Guerrero? Guerrero. Uh, Vita Guerrero was on, and she was she got she used to be like this big model and everything, and she got real sick, and the same sort of thing happened with the breast, and it was just a whole mess. Yeah, you know, listen, I didn't know really anything about explanting, which has become Dr. Brenner's expertise, you know, and this is becoming epidemic. You've got all of these women internationally, you're, you're talking about some of the top actresses, top models, etc., that have had breast implants and, you know, would get these autoimmune um, illnesses called BII, breast implant illness they would go from doctor to doctor to doctor the doctors would say it's all in your head Hmm. and they you know were walking around suffering terribly so you know i'm all about awareness i'm about bringing awareness to any issue that really needs our attention so i'm so glad to see someone like dr brenner be a pioneer in the field of explanting and also i want to add that it's really great to see so many women that are recognizing how important this is and putting their health before something like implants. Yeah, that, that's why I wanted to bring it up because, you know, when I've tried to tell people this in the past or this generation, I should say, the, the, the common reply is, well, that's one in a million or that won't happen to me because they suppress everything. That's right. They do. You know, and it really is the very thing that you just said, Tommy. It's like if you don't have that information and then you hear about it for the first time, what's your first default thought is, well, that's not going to happen to me. Do you know? And I understand that. But, you know, information and knowledge is power. The more information we get, the more we can make some of the wisest decisions about our health. So I'm so glad to see this coming out now because you're really helping women and there are so many women, my God, their stories are really, really sad to hear how much they suffered and didn't even know why they were suffering so badly. Vita was five years and this was, she was in Fast and Furious. She was on magazines and all of a sudden she was almost paralyzed, doctor to doctor to doctor, uh, hemorrhaged on a plane. And finally, and this is a woman that didn't have a money issue, you know, and finally found a doctor that looked more into, uh, you know, your diabetic or whatever. And it got to the point or they were going to take her uterus out. Oh, my God. That's how bad it got with that. And then, you know, and we went through it and, you know, you try to put it out there just so these women, like you said, just think twice before you do that. Because it's not all what it seems on on the advertisement 
Especially in Miami. Exactly, exactly, Tommy. That's such a good point because I think that there are so many women, you know, I was an actress for 10 years myself. So I was in that business where there were a lot of women. I'm not one of them. Thank Mm -hmm. God that thought they had to do that to enhance their image, do you know? And I understand that for some women, it's a personal decision and this is not about judging them. But if you're going to make such a huge decision like that about your body, you really need to be informed. So think about how long this has been kept from the public and only now is this awareness really coming out big time. And I would love to see more actresses and models and influencers come forward and tell their stories. I know that more of them are, and I think that's going to be, you know, have a huge impact on other women thinking very carefully whether or not to make such a decision like this. Well, you know how this day and age is uh, until it's on a TikTok or Instagram where someone like that really had an issue, you know, if it's not suppressed. You know, we're the only ones trying to bring it out, you know? Yeah, no, I know. And I'm, I'm really glad you're bringing it up. And like I said, I was not even aware of this. And, you know, it's not something that affects me personally. I never made that decision for myself. Thank God, you know, but I think of so many women that I know that have. And now when I hear these stories, I think, look, this is a time for us to become more aware about so many things. We've got to be aware of things that maybe perhaps have not been told to us, that have been withheld from us. And when it comes to our health, it is our right to know these things. And then that leads me into another interview that you did. And we're going to have all this in the description with Dr. Bark. And we had in Dr. Kirk Moore. And when we had in Dr. Kirk Moore, he was a plastic surgeon. And to make a long story short, Patients were coming to him because he was friends with Peter McCullough and they were saying, look, I don't want to take the vaccine. Can you help me out? He had done his studies. You know, I don't want to say too much because it might be the wrong thing, but he got indicted and he had stressed that it was the first time ever that the government got in between patient and doctor. And then in your interview with Dr. Bark, it, it was a sim- the, all the corruption behind it with Big Pharma and the marketing. And then you're throwing the government now <laughs> coming in and telling you what you can and can't do. And if Dr. Kirk Moore, if he loses that case, now what happens? Now you go to the doctor and the doctor may have two choices to make. Do I go with what I know medically or do I go with what the government is basically making me do? And if I don't, am I going to get indicted? Absolutely. This is a very, very um, concerning time, especially in the medical milieu, where so many doctors, their hands are tied, do you know, because they can't speak the truth to their patients. I mean, isn't that the, the HIPAA code? It's like you do what's best for your patient. Do you know the, the, the Hippocratic Oath, excuse me, it's that you do what is best for your patient. You want to support the best health decisions for your patients. Imagine doctors today, they can't even express what they think because they can lose their license. You're ta- now talking about being indicted. That yeah. they are literally, yeah. it's like they're, they're muzzled. They're, you know, it's, it's a terrible, terrible time for doctors. I really feel for them. I think that they're in a very compromised situation. I think there are a lot of doctors that probably have a lot of sleepless nights. They've got to do all sorts of things today that goes against the integrity 
and you know the very things that they signed on for to be doctors and that is to serve their patients health and well-being and now they can't even really fully do that these are very concerning times no they they indicted him uh they had to shut down his place he kept paying his workers as much as he could i mean it's cost him over a million dollars so now you go to school for a million years and the government steps in and says, A, B, C, D, you didn't do it, bang, indicted, and you're looking at five, ten years and, and whatever else out of nowhere. You know, and yeah. and, 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 I, and believe me, or this all leads into to what you do with the mindful thinking and, and how you change your thoughts because all of these are situations that are devastating, you know. And then another great thing I, I saw was trans ideology that you did a topic on. And, I, I mean, congrats to you to to put that out there because it's, you know, when we were growing up, you never, never even heard of that. You know, if you want to be what you want to be fine, but right. when you're pushing it down people's throats and kids and, and everything else and, and one minute, you know, women should work. They want women to work full time and, you know, 3000 hours and all these rights. And then the next minute you want to take all the masculinity out of a man, you know, it's just this toggle back and forth. It's crazy. It is so crazy, Tommy. And again, something that is deeply concerning that we need to really pay close attention to because this transgender, I want to say this extreme ideology is they're going after children at this point. I, I mean, they're trying to pass bills here in California that will allow children as young as, I don't know, I want to say even, you know, uh, pre-puberty where they can go on hormone blockers. If they want to go get a mastectomy, they can. They're going to be able to make decisions without parental consent. I mean, this is crazy. This is extremely dangerous. What, you have children that can't drink and drive until <laughs> they're a certain age, but they can go ahead and, and change their gender? Yeah, I mean, the, what, what time are we living I, in? This is like Looney Land, you know, or, but like, if you just take a look from the outside, you have, they're trying to take the masculinity out of men, right? You can't do, you know, you can't do this. Nobody cry. You know, everybody gets a prize. Don't, practice football if it's over 90 degrees or whatever happened with his son then you want to erase women you know what i mean <laughs> which was the topic of of one of your things and i i saw that and i said this is crazy you want to erase men and women what, what do you want you you're so right and it is a erasure of women and it is gotten to such exaggerated proportions it's so outrageous at this point i mean we're seeing things that are just being shoved into our faces and into our children's faces i might add do you know that we have to have some you know we've got to resist this we really do we have to speak up and more and more people are you know this whole notion of of shoving things down people's throats you know and it's also this type of gaslighting. You know, you yeah. cannot show me a cover on a magazine of a biological woman who's transitioned to a male because she identifies as a male. Let's just start with the basics of that. She goes ahead and she takes all sorts of hormones, testosterone. She changes her voice. She grows facial hair. And the next thing you know, you see her because it's a biological woman we cannot erase that fact that is a biological fact you then see her on a cover of a magazine and you pretend that it's a man i mean this is this is a type of manipulation of our minds it's a complete gaslighting and 
anybody who's complicit with this, whether it's the magazines, you know, then there's some, you know, very famous known magazines that are putting these people on the cover and pretending that there's something that they're not. And, and how about the commercials? You, you know, like the Budweiser and the Target, like whoever is oh. running that, these companies, I, I don't know who's paying them off, but Jesus yeah. Louise. Makes you wonder, Tommy, it's like all these credit scores and they're going in and I don't really know who the puppet masters are here. I don't really know. Do any of us really know who's going into these big corporations? I mean, there's got to be sane people that work in these corporations or these big companies and are thinking, wait, this is crazy. But somehow, again, it's talking about their hands are tied. Yep. They're being threatened. They're being coerced. They're being told that if you don't, you know, follow along with this, if you don't go along with these crazy narratives, you're going to lose your investors. Yep. That's like a type of that's a type of blackmail. Yeah, we went down the rabbit hole. And if you don't abide by whatever they want, whoever the, the top puppet master is, we're going to take your license. We're going to take you out of the stock. You know, we're going to take your shares. We're going to take everything. So either you're going to do A or you're going to do B. But behind it all, everything we just discussed, is, is it depopulation? Is it greed? Is it like, what is behind it? You know, I keep We're trying to figure all... out what the hell is behind it, even with Elon. <laughs> oh, I know a we lot about all... Elon. I fought Dr. Malone for two years about that guy. Okay. We are all literally scratching our heads and going, what the, you know what? What just happened? Because, you know, even someone like Elon, okay. I say, I don't know Elon Musk personally, so it's not my business to weigh in on, you know, giving you a character assessment of who Elon Musk is. I know what his accomplishments have been. And I do think what he did with Twitter is terrific because he lifted the ban on censorship. So I'll give him credit for that. But he must be a really good chess player because he seems to play both sides. Do you know, one minute you think, well, is he a transhumanist, you know, with Neuralink and, you know, his whole kind of agenda with going into the future in this way that makes me go, well, is he? I, I can't say definitively if he's a transhumanist or not. You know, it kind of seems like he is when you look at Neuralink. But then he says, you know, AI is going to be the greatest threat to our humanity in the next five years. So I'm like, he flip flops. We have to be so vigilantly aware today. We have to really call out what people are saying. We have to hold them accountable. And if somebody's, you know, going along with one narrative and the next minute they flip, you know, we've heard so many terms today, you know, controlled opposition. There's so much that occupies our mind. We don't really know fully what is going on and who's controlling this game because it is a crazy one. I fought with the, with Dr. Malone for two years about Elon Musk. I said he kept saying he was, you know, he's the arm that nobody's looking at. Now, this is, you know, Dr. Malone. I'm the peanut over here. And I'm texting him for a year and a half arguing with him over this. And he's like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And when Elon, he bought the Twitter for double the amount. Okay. Then he gets Tucker. He goes after Don Lemon. Okay. Boom. Then he makes Laura, I forget her last name, Pr Priscilla as the CEO, the most censorship person on the planet who is all for the vaccine that's who he makes ceo then three days later suddenly Neuralink goes to stage three of fda final testing isn't that interesting but he leaks the twitter files knowing that nothing's going to happen 
Then he comes out and he says, hey, limit on what you can look at. Go outside. I think, my opinion, now limit what you can look at because we want to shove this in front of your face, Laura, and we don't want to give you the time to go look at other people's opinion. I won't go on my Elon rant. It's just I fought with Malone for two years with it, and he's right, and I hate being wrong. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I, I think it's a complete ambiguous you know, a conundrum. I don't really know. I think someone should call him out. I would love to hear someone say, mm-hmm. hey, Elon, what side are you on? I mean, really, what, what game are you playing? Do you know? Because he's definitely very hard to pin, pin down. He really is. I would say out of most... Yeah. Of all the players, you the know, hardest. the ones that really like the elites that have a lot of power right now, I would say he's one that's the hardest to, to pin down because he's doing some good things. Yeah. But then, like you said, a minute later, he's contradicting the very good thing that he just did. So who knows? Who knows? I don't know. We're living in a very inverted, upside down world today. And what last thing, and I'll let it go, I promise. I, I couldn't believe that the news didn't really, well, I, I mean, I could believe that the news didn't, but that nobody said anything about Laura Pasilio. I'll figure out her name in a minute, but how nobody said that, okay, you bought Twitter, so it would be free censorship. And I messaged Malone and said, I'm a moron. You were right. And I got censored. A thing came up. So, (laughs) so, you know, how nobody covered it like, oh, gee, isn't that odd that Elon, Mr non-censorship i want everything and you can't take away with the great things he does you put her in charge laura yaccarino you know what i did see a lot of that on social media you're not going to see any of this on your news channels. you're not going to see anything on the biased news channels you're not going to read that in the newspaper the only the only place you're going to see it is on these social media platforms where people are saying what's really going on. And of course, you know, you've got the fact checkers, even though that's diminished. I saw one of those fact checker comments today in red because somebody was talking about appeal. Another Bill Gates. Oh, uh, Bill Gates. controlling, Controlling investments and putting this coating around food so that it can last longer all under the guise of helping you know hunger you know stopping hunger on the planet that's what i mean this is all duplicitous it's all incredibly manipulative you know they're doing this over here and they want your attention over here but over here they're doing something else it's a game i mean it's, it's game i at this point i i think to myself this is just what is this some kind of cosmic joke what is it and in your expertise, you have to look at this and be like, wow, because you know, even with TikTok, oh, everybody look at TikTok. It's so bad from China, blah, blah, blah. But TikTok is no different from the other 10. It just has the China name on it. You know what I mean? So you as an, an expert in mindful thinking and everything else, you have to sit back and be and think to yourself, you know, I'm a coach, but I have to coach like the entire world right now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah, well, I have to tell you, that's so funny that you're saying that because, look, I wrote a book called Time to Awaken, Changing the World with Conscious Awareness. My whole thing is about awareness. You know, mindfulness is the practice of being in the present moment with total awareness. That means you are so fully awake that you're not in some semi-conscious state like you are when you're sleeping. You are fully conscious, which means you are fully awake. 
well, what I saw in the last three years, <laughs> how many people on the planet are asleep? They're like, Sleeping. you know, it's like, it's like one of those zombie movies, you know? So yeah, as a mindfulness practitioner, I'm having a field day because I've been teaching this for 20 years about how to help people become more conscious, more awake. <laughs> now, see, that has, been, that has been the biggest problem on the planet that people are walking around and they're, if not fully asleep they're half asleep zombies half asleep. yeah no it's very concerning yeah. it really is and the good news is because i don't want to paint this out is to be you know even though i say i feel like we've entered into some dystopian reality is that more people are waking up i am really pleased to see even in the last six months what i'm seeing on social media mostly on instagram and twitter but i'm mostly on instagram i'm seeing so many people all demographics, all ages, and they're waking up to this stuff. I mean, they're mentioning things about Bill Gates. They're mentioning things about the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and the agendas and chemtrails and geoengineering and, you know, on and on and on. So I'm like, oh my God, thank God so many people are aware of what's going on. Because it would be really scary if people were not aware of what's going on, even though I think plenty of them are, but more and more people are waking up. So that gives me hope. Well, they're pushing it too far with with the with making everything so expensive because that's when people start to say, Why why is this bottle of water that used to be ninety nine cents three ninety nine? You know, and then over time, people that may never look would start to look because they can't pay their rent. You know, you're you're starting to hit their pockets heavy. So exactly. now they're like something isn't right let me come out of my box on my phone for a minute and just see what else is going on besides some girl talking to a cat on tiktok <laughs> or, or calling herself a oh furry. yeah yeah call a yeah furry. and then yeah. he he it they them furry i can't keep up with these pronouns oh. I, I really can't but you know what i have to say waking up i would have hoped that even as early as what happened with the i subscribe to Mickey Willis's name of the pandemic, plandemic, that, you know, the people like myself and many others who were thinking, you know, this doesn't make sense. So COVID knows when I'm eating hmm. in a restaurant, <laughs> but it also knows when I'm going to the bathroom. So I've got to put my mask back on or COVID knows when I'm eating pretzels on an airplane, but it, you know, it lets, it gives me a break then, but then it tells me you got to put your mask back on because you're going to get COVID. There were so many crazy illogical things. So you, when you talk about something like really people waking up, if they didn't wake up back then and they didn't see all the crazy things that were happening back then, you know, they better wake up now because it's only going to get crazier. Oh, I agree. I agree. That's my concern. And I, you know, with what you do, you know, I, and, and you're like, when I listen to you, you're very calm. You have like that calm talking voice, yeah. you know? Yeah. So for people that don't know, uh, because to me it was just thinking differently and, and it goes deeper. Well, could you explain the concept of transformational thinking other than, you know, just thinking differently than I do now? <laughs> well, <laughs> thinking and hopefully your thinking is transformational um i, I don't so. think i don't think we'd be having this conversation mm -hmm. if your thinking wasn't so i'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt <laughs> thank you 
Transformational thinking is really the very thing that it says. It's, you know, let me explain it, you know, in the way that I think people can relate to more. We have between 40 and 70,000 thoughts going through our head a day. I mean, just try and wrap your head around how much is going on in the thinking mind. And we've got a tremendous amount of thoughts that absolutely serve no purpose for our well-being whatsoever. You know, it could be called critical thoughts or negative thinking. And those are the thoughts that get our attention is really what the inner critic. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm 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 this. I'm that. This is never going to happen. I wish that didn't happen yesterday. So that occupies a lot of our time. And most people think they are their thoughts. Like they tell themselves things that they believe and like someone else is thinking your thoughts for you. So transformational thinking with my first book says who it was a uh, cognitive method that I came up with for for transforming negative and fear-based thoughts by doing something as simple as questioning (laughs) questioning your thoughts. If you're going to call yourself an idiot and you're like, oh, I'm an idiot and you don't and you don't challenge that and go, hey, wait a minute, hold on a minute here. I'm not an idiot. I don't think that that's really who I am. A lot of people walk around. It's really another scary thing, Tommy. They believe the very things they tell themselves. So transformational thinking, and I've got all these skill sets. I've got the says who method, which is questioning your thoughts and changing a negative thought to a positive thought. That concept is almost too easy for people. They're like, what? How do I do that? I go, literally do that. Take a negative thought like, oh, you know, I'm unworthy. And how about just telling yourself you're worthy? I want people, you know, I ask them, tell me how that feels in your body. Tell me the difference between you telling yourself I'm unworthy and how that feels. It doesn't feel good, right? When you think those negative thoughts about yourself, but when you tell yourself, hey, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty worthy. So I suddenly have people go to me, yeah, you're right. That feels better. It's a little bit like, duh. So transformational thinking is taking ownership of our thoughts and realizing that we're in the driver's seat of our mind. There isn't some little person in here that's going, Tommy, I want you to think this. And you're like, oh, okay, mind, I'll think that thought. You are, what I say, we are the controller and the manifester of our thinking mind. And we create our reality. And a lot of people walk around and they just accept everything they tell themselves, or they accept what other people tell them about themselves, because they don't literally have ownership over their own thinking mind. It's something so basic, and yet so many people suffer from this. It's it's shocking. After uh, three hours with Donald Hoffman yesterday, uh, <clears throat> we're very aware of the interface and the thinking. <laughs> but uh, that was I'll fry you uh, for a minute. But you know, when you say this, the first thing that had popped out to me was the amount of depression and anxiety that I see. I've never seen so much depression, anxiety. You know, this ADHD thing, I've never seen anything like it so bad. And, you know, you everybody wants to go to the doctor and you get on an SRI, which to me personally is worse than just being depressed, I think. Or you get on, you know, another pill for anxiety that then you need another pill to get off of it, mm. blah, 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 blah. When yeah. it seems to me from what I've read through with your work, if you could break that stubbornness, of somebody that seems I would think or I should say is that the toughest problem so 
if someone is depressed, they would be depressed. And this is from reading your books, by the way, uh, is because of their thinking. I suck. I, my girlfriend left me. My boyfriend left me. I'm no good at sports. Your thoughts tell you that. Now you get sad and you're depressed. Or, or uh, one of the chapters in your book was about fear. You know, fear, yeah. what is fear? Fear leads to anxiety, and that has to somehow relate to depression as well. So when when you do your coaching and your speaking, more specifically your coaching, what are some tips that you give when you have someone that's just a stubborn thinker where if that sky is purple, you could sit there for three hours, and me personally, I've dated women like this. If she says that's red, and I know it's black, Fine. It's red. It's red. You know, how do you get how what are some tips to break that thinking where, oh, I'm going to get in the car and have anxiety today or I'm going to be nervous or, you know, I, I'm I'm just a low life bum. Yeah, I mean, those are what I call premeditative thoughts or automatic thoughts. Look, we all have an inner critic to a certain degree. I get that. What's really powerful about the mindfulness practice is you you start to commit to working with the thinking mind. So for example, you're talking about someone who's really stubborn and closed off. The best way that I can work with someone like that is to do the very thing that I just mentioned to you. I have a technique in my book called the release and replace technique. I cannot tell you what I've witnessed. I've done it in front of, I did it once in front of 150 entrepreneurs and it was unbelievable what I saw take place in front of my eyes and it works every time and basically what I do is I hand out post-its and I ask the audience to write down a negative thought and so many of them will raise their hand immediately and say to me can I write down more than one I go let's just start with one okay let's start with one so you could see them like their their brows are furrowed and I see so many expressions on their faces like they've been carrying around this negative thought some of them have been carrying it around for years and I say it could be a thought that just popped into your mind when I asked you this question it could be a, a negative thought that came into your head when you took a shower this morning or it could be a negative thought that you've been carrying around since childhood so you can imagine what that evokes in people okay they're writing down this negative thought and then I say to them I want you to take that post-it and I want you to crumple it up and they're like crumpling this piece of paper like you could see literally of the emotion on their face wow. of how much hatred and and disgust they have with this thought and I say to them and I've stood on stages I say I want you to crumple this into a ball and I want you to throw it throw it like you really want to get rid of it and do it like you really mean it. And I've had hundreds of balls of paper <laughs> um, being thrown at me. Okay. And you look at their faces and it's like, they feel relieved. Now this is just one negative thought. Okay. Then I say, take another post-it and I want you to write down its positive counterpart. So, you know, let's just say, again, I'm worthless, right? They would write down, I'm worthy. And again, I would see their expression change right before my eyes. And they would write down its positive counterpart. And then I would say to them, I've done this so many times, do you want to crumple up that piece of paper and throw it away? And I hear a resounding no in the audience. And I go, okay, so I want you to take this piece of paper of the positive counterpart and I want you to take it home with you and I want you to put it on your 
mirror, you know, when you get up in the morning or your refrigerator. And another thing I asked them about the crumpled piece of paper that's on the ground, I say, do you want to pick up that piece of paper of that negative thought and put it back in your head? And it's like I'm asking them to put poison <laughs> in their minds. So that's a great beginning exercise to do with people to simply ask them, how about you just try replacing your negative or fear-based thought with a positive one? What are they going to argue with you? No, I don't want to do that. When I just said to you before, when I've asked people to do that, that I've worked with, and I say, let me ask you something, how's that feel in your body? You've replaced this negative and fear-based thought with a positive counterpart thought. How does it make you feel? Without question, people say, you know, it makes me feel better. I've had people cry. I've had people break down in front of me. So these are skill sets, Tommy. These are these are tools. You know, we have to learn how to really work with our thoughts. What I say in says who, our thoughts work for us. We don't work for our thoughts. Do you know? We have to make our thoughts work for us favorably. And we're again in the driver's seat of that. Once people realize that they're the ones that are in the driver's seat, they're in the power position, it's a game changer, you know, and this is this sounds probably very basic and very rudimentary and very fundamental. It is. But without this foundation of really working with your thoughts in a way that they can work for you favorably, people are just going to suffer unnecessarily. And I want to just jump really quickly to what you talked about with, with depression and anxiety and even something like suicide, which I mentioned in my book says who. Suicidal thoughts starts with a single thought. You know, it didn't just one day someone wakes up, you know, I don't know, I can't get inside everybody's head where they're like, you know, today I'm going to kill myself. It It's gradual. It's It builds on itself. And by the time someone's ready to take their life, you can imagine how many thoughts have gone through their heads. It's really sad. You know, and that brings me back to something else too. Uh, I had a I had this guy in who builds UFOs and all this <clears throat> other cool stuff because I was on a UFO kick for a little while there. And one of his friends during COVID in California, he was depressed, had issues, didn't get the opportunity to meet somebody like yourself. And he never knew that he had, he, he was a schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. And because of COVID, he couldn't go to the doctor. But he could go get beer and go to a strip club, but he couldn't go to a doctor. Long story short, the gentleman jumped off his balcony and took his own life. It's okay. tragic. It's truly tragic what happens to these people. And I believe that so many of these suicides could be prevented. And now they're coming up with, you know, there's this theory now that, you know, a lot of these uh, mental conditions might not be chemical imbalances. We don't know. And part of the thinking process is huge when it comes to this. It's very important to work with the thinking mind. I think I think uh, what you're talking about with the the mind. We had um, Jovan Pulitzer in here, and he's the guy oh, who created the QR code. And that guy's life, man. He grew up so he was raped as a kid. He lived like no money, poor as shit. And what he did, which what I found interesting, and I told my kids about this. I have two teenage boys. He recorded his voice. And what he did was he would say things that were like, I'm worthy. I'm a good person. 
I can make, you know, you're not going to say like I'm making a million dollars, but he led himself to that by goals. And he would play that tape, what, every night for a half an hour. Three hours. The three hours. Yeah. That was a little long, I thought. But but he, telling himself this over and over before he went to bed. So that was the last thing in his in his brain before he went to bed. And he was able to get rid of all that negative that happened in his life. And now the guy's, you know, a multi, multi, you know, millionaire. Or he has more patents than anyone in the world. And he invented the QR code that we all use. All, every time you scan something, he invented that. And this is a guy, and when we say rapes, he said it, yeah. you know, on the thing. So we're not doing any of his business. I'm not talking about like a friendly type of thing, you know, a really rough childhood. And when he was able to get a car, like Rob had said, he made a cassette tape and looped it. Reasonable thoughts and just played it over and over and over again. And the next thing you know, boom, yeah. the guy's who he is. So like what you just said, this is just my opinion, and I'm no doctor, just an opinion. I think a lot of this mental health, the trans thing, all of it, I think with speaking with the right person, you know, psychiatrist, but you got to watch with them too now because to me, well, I know for a fact a lot of them, they're on the take too. When I say on the take, they're with the agenda. But if you talk to someone like yourself – I think that can all be corrected. You know, I, I don't think at eight eight yeah. years old you're even having those thoughts. And if you do, it's just part of of you're seeing it. Like your hormones just adjusting. Absolutely. You know, and, and especially when you're young and you're so impressionable, you know, and you're you're more susceptible to believing things. And especially now, look at kids today they're exposed to so many things on social media and on the internet. It's scary what they're exposed to. And with this narrative pushing them in these directions, like what we talked about earlier, you've got now these big companies that are pushing these things. You've got, you know, like what happened with Dylan Mulvaney on the, on the bot, on the can of, of Bud Light beer. You've got Target, you know, pushing these clothes, these transgender clothes, as early as on to babies, you know, you've got so much of this influencing. And I think it's really, I know it's a hard job for parents to oversee all of what their children are exposed to, because now they're coming into schools. You know, you've got transgender spokespeople that are coming into schools. You know, I have a neighbor here and she was horrified by a questionnaire that her daughter came home with a, a very, you know, probing sexual questionnaire that her 16 year old came home with, which was so inappropriate. And there was a transgender spokesperson at the school. This is one of the top private schools in Los Angeles. So this private is Private school. You're talking about yeah, private, private not, not just public, private that you're paying out the butt for. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Tommy, I can I can only see you slightly on, I'm seeing my book, but I Oh can't. yeah, yeah, we just had that up because I, I I think this is a great book. And it, it's so funny. This is the second day in a row. This was written in what, 22? And now, I, and now this yeah. is so important. Yeah. Like this is such a, a book, like to awake the conscience. Like, hello, right? Thank you. Go, thank you. Yeah, poor boss says who. So then uh, you can come back. It's the next tab. Uh, that's the other book. Yeah. This is the book that I was talking about, you yeah. guys. This is a book about, this was my first book, by the way. Oh, wow. And 
this says who the says who method is still being used today. I get so many people reaching out to me. I even have a online course on people becoming thought coaches. I created a whole niche of coaching from a life coach, which sounds way too broad. I said, if you're coaching somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, what are you really coaching them about? You're coaching them about their thoughts. You know, that's that's what you're coaching them about. So this says who method I think is pretty revolutionary and it's so user friendly. Anybody and everybody can use it. I feel like if if everybody in the world used the says who method, we'd have a much more conscious planet for sure. Yeah, and that's why I, I said I think, you know, the the three main books that I I read and I I think those three if someone would go take your coaching or zoom with you or, or something like that. I really, truly, honestly think a lot of this depression thing, yeah. anxiety thing, trans thing, all of it. I, I don't think it would exist. Thank you, Tommy. You know, I really love connecting with people. I love to go. I say, I like to go to places where a lot of people are not comfortable going and that's the inner self. You know what I mean? It's like we're all human. As I said earlier, we all have the inner critic. We all have, you know, it's like Carl Jung, the psychologist, called it the shadow. Yeah. You know, that everybody has the shadow. What is the shadow? That's the negative aspects of our personality that we don't like very much. Or maybe we don't even love at all. Do you know? We have to work with ourselves. That's why I love working with people because so much of the self hatred, so much of the self rejection, so much again going back to thoughts and going back to the says who method, I say that a lot of the thoughts that people have about themselves, they've carried over from childhood. You know, we can go back to childhood and remember the first time somebody said something to us, whether it was the bully on the schoolyard whether it was a parent or an authority figure or a teacher that told us something negative about ourselves, like you're never going to be good at this. You suck at sports. You're stupid. You're clumsy. You know, think of all the things that have been told to children and that gets carried over into adulthood. So I love to work with people. I was uh, one year I was at the um, Conscious Life Expo here in Los Angeles, California, when my Says Who book first came out. And I offered a like 10 minute session with people to write down that one negative thought to work with me. I had a line around the entire <laughs> expo. <laughs> I mean, it was exhausting. I have to say, I didn't know what I was doing, but suddenly I had like over a hundred people in line who were waiting to tell me their one negative thought. And I will tell you this, it was really touching and also very sad because I saw people that sat with me that were so beautiful, so intelligent. They, I, because I'm looking into someone's heart and soul. That's just me. You know, I, I'm one of those people that I don't judge people based on just the physical or the superficial. I like to go into the depths of someone's being. But I had so many people who wrote down, I'm ugly. I'm stupid. I'm worthless. Um, you know, I don't deserve to be alive. I cannot tell you what people wrote down. And when I started to talk to them, invariably, most of these people that was told to them when they were little, mm -hmm. little kids, 
they, you know, one beautiful woman, she was so beautiful. She had a sister that the mother thought was the beautiful one. So she would always put all her attention on the sister and make this woman or girl feel she was insignificant. And so imagine carrying that over into adulthood, that this runs your life. And I'm looking at this absolutely beautiful woman thinking, wow, she has been carrying around this thought that her mother instilled in her head her whole life. And I said to her, you can change that thought today. You really can. We're so powerful. We can turn this around today. And that's what I want people to know, how incredibly powerful we are. We could change our lives today. And I now, I, I think that's, you know what I, mean? I think that's important what you're talking about. Uh, and I always hit it every time we have a podcast, but the youth. I think if you can get it at that stage, again, you talked about bullies and we talk about bullying on the show a lot. Kids need more parents and not friends, meaning... You know, a kid calls you fat. I used to get made fun if I take my headphones off. I got I got big ears. So they used to say, oh, big ears, Dumbo, all this <laughs> type of stuff. And it hurt. Don't get me wrong. It hurt. But my dad, when I get home, he'd be like, what's the matter? And he'd say something. He's like, you know, fuck them. He's like, you know, punch them in the nose. <laughs> you know, whatever. And, and you learn to, you know, sticks and stones may make break my bones, all that good stuff. But if we can get to the youth, the problem is... Parents either A, want to be friends and not parents, and they want to stick the iPad or the phone in front of the kid. And what do you think that kid's getting on the iPad and the, and the phone? Stuff that's not helping them. And, right. and I think you're on the right track, and, you, and of course you are, but like get because we have those thoughts as we get when we're adults. But if we could fix it at the youth stage, <laughs> I think the problems would be sliced in half. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, hopefully we're trying to reach the youth because what's happening with this transgender ideology, which is so evil, I mean, it's just evil. And you look at these poor, innocent kids, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I hope the parents are doing a really good job. I did hear a great story of a mother whose daughter came home from school and she's like, hey, mom, I want you to call me they. And the mother was like, uh, no, I'm not calling you they. I'm calling you by your name. And, the, and she the daughter fought the daughter was like no you call me they i'm i'm they she says no you're not they and the mother stood her ground Good for you her. know there are some parents that might feel like oh my daughter if i don't go along with this she's going to reject me she's going to hate me she's going to like kill herself whatever get you know a back I mean? get a backbone yeah exactly and you, <laughs> you have a kid now <laughs> totally and you know what happened with the daughter she got tired of the game and she finally gave, gave it up so let's have more parents doing that I think it's all I think it's all not good parenting, <clears throat> not sitting down and talking with them. And then if you're that person in say middle school, even high school, you're fat, you're ugly, you're not that great at sports. Now in this generation, well, maybe I want to be a girl. Maybe I would fit in better as a girl. So because I've been picked on as a kid from my parents, now, because I was picked on as a kid from my parents, generally I just seem to put people around me that just want to bring me down with them to their level. So now all my friends that I think are my friends just can't wait for somebody to call me ugly because they were called ugly. So now I'm looking for an outlet. And then that outlet to me, from what I've seen, is either drug use 
Or now you have the option, well, I could be a girl or a guy and maybe start over and I can fit in with this community or this, you know, whatever you want to call it. When this could all be resolved, just like that mother there that said, no, I'm your mom. You're not they. I named you such and such. And that's how it's going to be. Hate me for a week. Fine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. I'm not playing this game. And I think this really pertains to all of us on a lot of levels with what's going on. Not just the trans thing. It's just the easiest one to relate to. It's also what you said earlier, you know, you said about things being shoved down our throats. You know, how much more of this are we going to take? Because we've got a lot being shoved down our throats right now. And I think there's a lot of us that, you know, I love that movie Network. Remember when he said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Mm -hmm. I really want to feel that more of us are feeling that way. Because if we don't comply and we just, you know, continue to call out the BS for what it really is, we're, that's what's going to move the needle. You know, it's not the mothers that go along with, oh, I'm afraid my kid's going to kill themselves if I don't play this crazy game with them. Or it's the parents that go into Target and they go, this is BS. Take this stuff out of here. You know, it's like we have to be more vocal. We have to, you know, I, I'm a supporter of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. who's yeah. running for president of the United States. I loved when he said, you know, when I met Bobby, he would say, do one thing of civil disobedience a day. You know, that doesn't mean something aggressive or hostile or even violent. That's just speaking up. Speak up about the truth. Just say one thing that's truthful, whether you're saying it to a friend, whether you're saying it to a family member, whether you're saying it to a coworker. What are we so afraid of? They you hate know, what is They hate him. Yeah. We I know you did. We had Ed Dowdle on too. Oh, I, I Ed's great. I had Ed is the man. I had an event with Ed and Bobby before Bobby announced that he was oh, running for president yeah. for his uh, his organization, which he stepped away from called Children's Health Defense. Ed is they're they're both great guys. They really are. And yeah, of course, Bobby, I love what Bobby said when he announced his running for president. He said, This is what happens when you censor someone for 18 years. <laughs> yeah. First thing they hate Bobby because he's a truth sayer. Yep. If you know, they try to they try to use that anti-vaxer propagated term over and over and over again. All you have to do, by the way, is just watch his interview on Joe Rogan, yeah. and he'll explain exactly what his position on vaccines are. But you know, a lot of people just go along with what they just heard on you know the news. Yep that that that's that that that's the crazy we had uh, amy kelly on too she she's with daily cloud she was great she yeah, she yeah, really she yeah. she put that data out there boy you want to oh, try to you you want to try to combat that one uh okay. i don't think so Pfizer <laughs> documents you Ooh. know kudos to amy and naomi and yeah. you know putting that out on and making that available to the public when Pfizer wanted to withhold those documents for 75 years. I mean, this isn't going back to logic. This is going back to like, if we don't stop and go, wait a minute, they're withholding this for 75 years. Why? Mm. What are they hiding? Yeah. What are they what are they hiding? Meanwhile, people are dropping dead left and right out of nowhere, and you have the top doctors on the planet that don't leave their lab going on podcasts. You know, doctors have come on here in person that would never in a thousand years do a podcast, but it's so bad that they're like, I have to get this out somewhere. Exactly. Fucking nuts. (laughs) it, It is so nuts. It is truly, I've said never in my lifetime have I heard the word insane, 
<laughs> nuts, crazy, <laughs> evil, evil. evil. Like, oh, I've never heard these words used more by more people in all different sectors of life. You know, it's like, it's, mm -hmm. it's unbelievable how crazy it's gotten. So, you know, it's like, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. You know, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about how crazy it is and how we each have a role in doing something about it by it, speaking up, by having your show, by me writing my book, by the, the people that are brave enough to come onto your show. You know, when I wrote Time to Awaken, people were like, aren't you, aren't you afraid? I mean, you've established yourself as this, as this mindfulness author and your book has even been awarded as one of the top 100 mindfulness books of all time. Okay. Are you really going to write this book about what's going on? I'm like, hell yes. Of course I am, because I'm going to I'm going to take mindfulness. I'm going to plug it into what went on the last three years. That to me was the perfect opportunity to use mindfulness in the best possible way I could think of. Well, when I when I started reading through it, I, with all due respect, I said, she's got kahunas. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, but but I love first off, I love the name says who, you know, so we can relate that to all of this. Do this, do that says who says who totally. and, and totally. these i love the way you say it tommy yeah i love the, like, I love the title yeah well, like, I, fuck I mean, was, uh, you know my grandpa would kill me if i swore in front of a woman he's full no, time don't, <laughs> don't worry about it you can swear as much as you want Good. i've never heard more people swear as much as we're all swearing and i'll include yeah. myself as we've been swearing these days lately because everything's so crazy. Good. Fuck these lunatics. They're they're <laughs> fucking asshole nuts. They're trying to control everything and fuck everybody so that there's only the elite. That's what I think. And yeah. and when they say do this, do that, who the, who the fuck says that? You're your own self. Do your own thing. Grow some fucking balls and stand up for yourself instead of being wanted to be told what to do because it's going to kill you. That's ultimately exactly. what it's going to do. And you yeah. said about those entrepreneurs and, and that we've had a lot of them on. And that brings me to something that I actually went through. But I can only imagine because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur or just a guy, for instance, because me and Robert guys, okay, and women, but I'm not a woman. We are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. Yes. You know, I grew up old school Italian. And he grew up old school in Philly, same area as I did. So when we grew up, you couldn't cry. Like crying was not cool. You know, you, you had to be tough all the time. You know, it, it, was, it was just the way it was. And you would hold on to that forever. And then you would get successful in business, things like that. And for me personally, I would, one day I had, I said this at nausea, but I had walked down to my garage and I had a Lamborghini and a Bentley and I started crying. And I'm like, why am I miserable? You know, like I have all this shit. Why am I miserable? And then I had had to look at what you said earlier, check myself, which I didn't do for another 10 years because I was too egotistic maniac to do. But until I took a look at myself and learned to love me, it didn't matter what I had, what I did, whatever. It got me nowhere. So I can only imagine these entrepreneurs and such that work, you know, 20 years straight, 9 million hours a day, you know, no life but work, and all that they're, they're boxing in and then putting it into work, what must be under there? Totally. I, I think the same thing. I think, wow, you've got these one percenters 
these what what's being called global elites you know the richest men on the planet and i think to myself they all seem like they have a talk about chips it's not about putting a, a chip in your brain to become like a computer i think it's about owning the fact that you're missing a chip and it's not that kind of chip yeah. there's some there's something wrong with these guys i mean there's really something you know, when I look at people like Mark Zuckerberg, who wants to create the metaverse, he wants to create a virtual reality, because what this reality isn't good enough for you? Like, what are you miserable about? You know, I love your story, because it's so honest. It's like you can have all of the perks, you can have all the sexy toys, you can have all the things you want. But if you're not if, if you're not happy inside, what good is it? And then I look at these guys today and I, I think, you know, I look at each and every one of them that are in these unbelievable, powerful positions that they want to play God. Talk about ego. I mean, it's 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 an ego game to the likes of which we've never seen in our lifetime. They want to tell us what this planet should be doing and how our lives should be going and that we should be, you know, own nothing, eat crickets and be happy. It's like it's like some kind of psychotic mind of madness and i and i look at them and i do i i agree with you it's like they must be really be not happy inside you know because if, if any of these guys thinks that becoming a computer and extending life through this transhumanist ideology is where it's at you know it's like i think really like how miserable you must be that if you can't even enjoy the good things that are on this planet earth that you want to get us off this planet so fast, you know, someone like Elon Musk, okay, or, or Bezos, or the guys that go like, oh, hey, let's, let's take a ride somewhere else. Why don't we fix this planet? Yeah. Why don't we fix up our, why don't we fix up our messes? Yeah. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, these guys, like, what are they doing? Aside from like, just creating tremendous chaos, and mayhem and anarchy, and what looks like, you know, communistic ideology of turning the world upside down and making it completely crazy. So I, I'm with you, you know, 100%. And I love your story because here you are talking about men and, and what men really have to, you know, come to grips with about themselves. And look, I love men. I've got two sons and I love my boys and, you know, men are awesome. But I think there are a lot of guys out there like the guys that were that we know about the usual suspects that they have it all wrong you know and i would think that there are men like yourself and other men on the planet who really look at these guys and go this has got to stop because they have the money and they have the power they're going to control a doctor and what he can and cannot say they're going to control the schools they're going to control the narratives they're going to tell us what we can and cannot do what we can and cannot put in our bodies I mean, this is this is really grown out of such proportions that I want to see more men, us as women, too, because we talk about it all the time. I wrote a book about it, but I'd love to see more men be mad as hell and not take it anymore. I'd really love to see a revolution of men stand up to these guys who think they're all that. You know, when I think of them all, all of them, Elon, uh, Zuckerberg, all of them. I think if you sat down with them, you'd have a field day with them because there must be something missing in there from childhood, elementary, something. Totally. And they have to create these massive control of things to fill that void. And guess what? 
You can invent whatever the fuck you want, pal. You're not going to fill that void until you accept that you have that void, which leads to, I forget which one of your books, sorry. But, you know, filling, finding self, you know, the one with where you find self, until you fill that void, you can invent 27,000 rockets, metaverses, whatever, you're going to be empty. And you're just a sick little, little pansy trying to control everybody else because you're not taking a step back and looking at your own self and then create something cool. Totally. I mean, can you imagine what you can do with all the money that these guys have? Can you even imagine the incredible things that can be done to help repair, to help save this planet? It's just unbelievable to me that these billionaires and like they all are they're they're destructive people. And I don't like I said, I don't know them personally. And you're right. I'm sure I would have a field day. I mean, here you have someone like Mark Zuckerberg, who we know just the way and the same. It goes to Bill Gates. There's Gates. something really you might need another lifetime to to handle him oh, in, in class jeez there is something so off about <laughs> these guys that it's really scary and when you look at like someone like you know you've seen probably a lot of the videos that i've seen when gates was being questioned about the whole microsoft yeah debacle, he looked like a little boy who was literally going to crawl back inside himself and I was like, that's the guy. That guy right there is the guy who has this need to play God yep. and control the world. Because somewhere in himself, he must have such self-loathing mm -hmm. and so much insecurity. Like, I don't know what ha I don't know what kind of relationship he had with. I mean, you know, there's there's talks about the father and the mother and eugenicists and uh, who knows? There's so many complexities around these people. You've got you know, Zuckerberg, who has this now robot called Jarvis that he calls his intellectual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He calls intellectual equal. I mean, gee, Mark. Um, so humans are not intellectually equal to you. Is that what you're implying? And that's that whole notion of like, they're better than us, that we're little peons and we should just, you know, get depopulated and we should just you know eat crickets and own nothing and they'll control the world when, this is, or or when he when he said that i said oh boy oh boy this, this guy really needs to he they need to take his shoelaces and put him in a loony bin for a little while there, there's a great meme i don't know if, i don't know if you've seen the meme with uh <laughs> bill gates he's wearing like a tight tight fitting shirt and his belly's hanging out and it has scientist slash doctor and then the other picture shows Robert Kennedy Jr. Yes. doing push-ups. Yeah. It's like conspiracy <laughs> theory. <laughs> I saw yeah. that. I, and Kennedy's I mean, going boom, yeah, boom, yeah. boom. Right? Yeah. Right. Let's, yeah, totally. I mean, look at these. Look at these guys. I mean, what's the Dr. Hotez? Is that his yes, name? Yes. Yeah. Guy that won't even debate that Bobby. That was. That yeah, was he? You idiot. And and how many how many how oh, much junk guy. food is, how much junk food is he eating? And these people a lot. He a, must be a Burger King every day of the way he looks. They're in positions of authority to tell people what to do with their health or to vilify Bobby. Prove who, Bobby wrong. Prove Bobby yeah, wrong. You know it yeah. all. You want to break his balls and say he's not a doctor? Well, 
I don't see anybody coming out with any facts that go against what he says. So go on. Bro. Rogan said he'd throw out a hundred grand. Somebody else throw that for charity. What you you can't wobble yourself in there to argue with? Get what he's afraid he's going to do push-ups on you. No. <laughs> or he's going to push up you. Tommy, I think it reveals everything. Yeah. Does I think it speaks volumes that they don't want to debate Bobby because you know they don't want him to eviscerate Biden on a public stage. It, you know, it's everything is so obvious today, you know, going after people, not going to debate somebody who like Bobby, who has integrity and saying, come debate me, prove me wrong. Mm -hmm. I'll be the first one to admit if I'm wrong. Now, <clears throat> your book, I have to congratulate you again. Top best mindful book of all time, like all time, like wow. not just like top 100, like all time. Oh, wait, wait. You're, you're, no, no, you're you're too kind. It it was one of the top books. Yeah, that's right. It's one of the it, one of the top one hundred of all time. Google it. Google it yourself. I can Google it ten <laughs> times. I double check so I wouldn't look like an idiot. Thank you. Okay, Miss Dang. All right, you got you got it going on over there. Pull up by top okay. four when you get a chance. So, when you go to do uh, live true, what was the in inspiration of it? And how did that come about? So Live True, uh, that says who, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, Live True was a book that I wrote about being authentic. You know, and your story, again, I'm going to circle back to your story, Tommy, sure. about, you know, going down and looking at your, your you know, what did you say, Lamborghini? Yeah, I had a Lamborghini and a Bentley and the watches. And, yeah, yeah, you, you and, have, and you nothing have. was ever enough, you know? Right. So, I mean, and kudos to you. I, I so I'm really loving that you share that story because that's so important. And for men to hear you share that story for sure. So I wrote Live True because I really wanted to address the inauthentic self. And we're talking about that very thing with what you're saying. It's like you have all this stuff, you know, you have all these toys, you have all these identities, you have all these personas, you know, you're walking around and you're just performing. I mean, how much do we see that in the world? We see that amongst a lot of famous people. We see that amongst celebrities. We see it amongst people that are very wealthy. It's like they're performing, like they're on. And you know, it's, it's okay to be impressive in the way you wanna present yourself, but if you're being inauthentic, people sense it. And by the way, I also feel that when somebody comes into a room and, they got the thing, they got that energy that's really alive and it's positive and it's really good. What are people responding to? They're responding to something that's real. Yeah. That's what they're feeling about that person. That's huh. the authentic self. You know what I mean? And I think right. now with what's going on on the planet, we are that much more aware of inauthenticity than we've ever been before. So how do you decipher in your in your mind, how do you decipher what's an authentic thought or a legitimate thought and not a legitimate or authentic thought? Because <clears throat> that gets hard. So for me to figure myself out and nothing really against my dad, whatever, he had his own issues, but it went back for me to <clears throat> my parents had split up. So my dad would say on a Saturday, he'll be there at five. So I, and my mom hated my dad. So it was that whole freaking thing. So I'd pack my bag and I'd sit and wait for my dad to come. And he wouldn't come. You know, sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't. But I wanted to hang out with my dad. So I had realized, not through a psychiatrist that I was paying, even though I really like him a lot, 
very good friend of mine, but not through him for $400 a week. But he helped me with other things, but not this particular situation. That when I was, you know, when I had to have, when I was with a girl, I needed 10. If I had a Bentley, I needed a Lamborghini. If I had a Lamborghini, I needed a motorcycle. If I had one Rolex, I needed 10. And I finally was able to relate it back to standing there with the book bag. Again, my dad wasn't an asshole. He was just a half asshole. Relating that to waiting and wanting and him not coming. So then I was filling that void with working like a maniac, not really having you know good friendships and so on and so forth, to build up businesses, to make money, so that when I would pull up to a Saks Fifth Avenue and a Lamborghini, everybody was running out. I wasn't on that porch anymore waiting. Everybody was running out to me. And until I realized that, the nonsense and craziness, and when I tell you crazy, I mean real crazy, continued. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're again, you're talking about really real stuff, you know, and again, you were somebody who came to terms with looking at it. I say, look up your entrails, look, go, go within, you know, for those that have the courage to go within and take, you know, inventory of yourself, I have such respect for because, you know, that's a bottomless pit scenario. You never, you know, it's like, I, I talk about, I have, uh, um, as a mindfulness author and practitioner, I've led people through meditations where I said, I want you to find your enough. Where is your enough? What's your enough place? You know, which is really powerful for people because it's like, well, what is my enough? Like, wh when am I really satisfied? Like, when can I say like, you know what, I'm good. This is enough for me. Do you know, that's a real big soul searching question to ask ourselves, like, what is enough? And that, you know, do we always feel like we have to have more and more and more? And you know, because you went through it yourself. You know, you talk about your dad who basically would be considered a an unavailable father. He was yeah. not available, you know? And so what do we do? We, we, we usually are attracted to the very thing that we didn't have. We try to fill that void that ends up becoming a bottomless pit. And the only way to get out from under it is to really identify it. That's why I'm such a big believer in mindfulness and really being with our thoughts, being with our emotions, finding out what's really troubling us and what where our unhappiness really lies. And where do we feel we're, we're not enough? We don't have enough. You can see people till today, they're just this, they're the bottomless pit people. They're not happy. There's a lot of people that on the surface, whether they're, you know, famous and rich and whatnot, we've talked about it with even the, the guys that we just mentioned, but there's a lot of people that are not happy. They're miserable. But see, but it, took surface, me, it took me 38 know. years to figure, 40 years to figure that out because I couldn't figure out what thought was authentic and what, because if I thought maybe it was this, I would immediately kick it out. Like, no, 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 there, there's a reason for that. So I don't even know how I did it, but, but how do you, how do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you, so I, yeah. I, you know, your question I think is a really good one because here's the thing. How do we, you know, I even have a live true journal, which I have people go through, you know, where did you feel inauthentic today? you know because because here's the deal look we're a lot of things we can be very complex people 
you know, who you are talking to me or talking to your friends or talking to another person, you might switch gears and be different with different people. We call that the representative. (laughs) With women, we call that the representative. When you meet a woman, that is the representative. Six months later, she is no longer the representative. (laughs) And you can call me sexist all you want. (laughs) You've you've thought this through. So, you know, you have. And, like, look, I get it. It's like I say to people, try and be who you are as much as you can with as many people as you can. In other words, a lot of people go through the motions during the day where they shift gears because they'll say, well, I got to be this right now in order for this person to love me. I have to be this right now in order for this person to accept me. Oh, or I have to- or a people hate me. People hate me. I, you can but, add, they hate because I just tell I'm. Well, there you go. I'm so just, you've already figured yeah. out. You, you've cracked the code, Tommy. Yeah. Because I just, doing- I'm me and, and I say straightforward, like you're an you're idiot and that, yeah. <laughs> I think if you're doing that, you're already ahead of the game because when you say, well, how do I know if I'm being authentic or how do I know if this is an authentic thought or an inauthentic thought? An authentic thought is a thought that represents who you really are. It's like saying, this is who I am. And I don't have a thought telling me that I'm not this person. Those are the inauthentic thoughts that want to undermine the authentic self. I know that sounds like a like a tongue twister, but you have to be really mindful. You have to be really aware of like, this is who I am. And for a lot of people, like even with your story, they're so tired of having played the game. They just don't want to play, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't want to play the game anymore. They're tired of, you know, and you talk about even something like with men and men who are successful. There are a lot of men that feel like, well, if if a woman loves me, is she loving me for who I really am? Is she loving me because I've got all these toys and all these perks? Is that why she's loving me? You know, my husband tells me, and he's a great guy. When I met my husband, he wasn't as successful as he is today. And he'll say, you loved me for me. Mm-hmm. You didn't love me for what I had. That's a special thing. And it's really important because if you really want to find out, and this is a tip to guys, you know, look, we know there are a lot of women out there that can be very superficial and they can look at guys and go like, you know, how much money does he have? And what kind of car does he drive? And where does he live? And all that kind of stuff. A woman that's worthy of you is a woman that accepts you for who you are and vice versa. It's not just a woman to a man thing. It's also how a man views a woman. You know, it's like go a little bit beyond just the fact that she's eye candy, you know, that she, you know, maybe she's gorgeous to look at, but does she have any depth, you know, and is she real? And is she really going to be there for me? If like, let's say times are rough, is she going to flee? So there's a lot of things that we can ask ourselves that are, you know, am I being real? And am I living the authentic life, which I think is super important to be able to live a life that really supports your well-being. And what I see a lot and through your books, I, I again, I think it can correct it if you block out the noise. I see a lot of people <clears throat> that can't be alone. They cannot be alone. Girl, guy, it doesn't matter. They, they either have to always be in a relationship or or have to have be on the phone or whatever it is they just can't be alone how how do you relate 
your coaching into that because that could be a devastating too thing because then you end up hanging around or you're with someone that's just dragging you down to the pits only because you don't want to be alone. That's a really important thing to look at. And I've been asked that a lot and I do address that in, in my books. I, I do, people will even admit to me, they'll say, you know, Hey, Aura, I'm not really comfortable doing anything by myself. You I got, know, like, I got a dog. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. <laughs> You know, they'll say, yeah, they'll say like, and I'll say, okay, well, how about you take a walk today? Just take a walk, take a nice walk, you know, in your neighborhood or go somewhere that go to the beach, go to the mountains, you know, go somewhere and just do it by yourself. Even if you do it in little baby steps, you know, I mean, I literally will have people say to me, I don't, I don't like to do anything by myself. Oh, I would never go to a movie by myself. Oh, I would never eat at a restaurant by myself. And I'm like, just try it. I was that you person. Know? I was that person. You know, it's like, just try one thing today that is out of character for you and, and see how that feels. And even if you're feeling a little nervous or a little bit insecure, just try it. And then you could say at the end of it, wow, you know what? I did that. You know, good for me. I, I went into, into a, um, I was trying to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, just just try it. We all have to learn how to find our comfort, even in our discomfort, because that's getting to know who you really are. That's really connecting to the authentic self. And in order for us to really find out who we are, we got to go towards our insecurities. We got to go towards our fears. We got to go towards our doubts. We got to challenge that inner critic that I talked about earlier. You know, that's really being a whole person, do you know? And I know it takes courage. And this isn't just like, oh, hey, everybody, this is easy. This is just an overnight fix. It's not about that. There are no quick fixes. This is about making an effort, maybe every day, just do one thing that's a little out of character for you. And also really look at your nose. You know, a lot of people have an immediate no. They're very fixed. They're very rigid. They like they'll meet a no, I'm not gonna do that. No, I don't like this person because they vote this way and I vote that way. No, I I I don't want to go there because I only eat this. You know, there's a lot of rigidity that that people have. And if you're not careful, it becomes in, increased as we get older. You know, we have to be really willing to say, you know, this isn't an, an age thing. This is that I'm open-minded, I'm staying expansive in my mind, and I'm open to change. You know, we could change at any time in our lives. How exciting is that? That's exciting. Do you want to be this rigid, uptight person that doesn't want to try anything new because you're too afraid to, or you're too set in your ways that you're not even willing to try? And there are also people, I will say, you know, you talk about people that can't be alone. There are people that would rather be alone. And that's the other, that's the other, but <laughs> you said you have a dog. You said you have a dog, so you're not alone. <laughs> so, but there are people that, you know, look, everybody has a right to be with or without whoever they do and do not want to be with. I get that. But you also have to look at where you bolster your story, like your story that supports that you can't be alone. And then you want to look at people that are like, oh, I'm good. I'm alone. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody, you know, and, and if that really does float your boat, good for you. You know, you should do you, you should do what makes you happy. 
But I do want to say when we stay open and we suddenly go, hey, I said yes to this. And I met my husband, by the way, going to a party that I didn't even want to go to. <laughs> and if, I, if, if I had given into the no that I was that was in the front part of my psyche, it was like, eh, I don't want to go. Uh, ugh, you know, I had all this going on in my mind. And then there was this little glimmer of something that said oh just go i went because the the person that invited me to the party they guilt tripped me they said <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't come to this party i'm never inviting you to anything again so that's what like but imagine if i had just like oh i don't want to go and so i met the man that i am married to and i love and i have two awesome kids with so be aware of where you say no be aware of where you talk yourself out of something it's really that's the mindful awareness that I'm talking about. Mm. That's like, oh, okay, hey, I get it. I see that I'm like quick to say no. I, I'm quick to like not want to say yes to that. I'm gonna I'm gonna change that today. That's present moment awareness. That's catching it in the moment. You made the right choice on the grid. Yeah. <laughs> As our astrophysicists would like to say. <laughs> but and what I meant when I went like that, that was before when I was in the middle of all that. <clears throat> you know, I like being alone, but I like being with somebody too. I have a, she's almost going to be three year old daughter and I am scared oh. to have, I might be writing letters in about six years, <laughs> you know, from uh, somewhere if this stays up because I will walk into that place and hypothetically, uh, yeah. You have a three year old daughter? Yeah, she's going to be three September 1st. I'm scared to death for her to get older and go out into this i might have to lock her in the house so <laughs> so one something doesn't weird happens and two some idiot doesn't say something to her and i go back to to south philly me and that's not a good thing <laughs> just, just be the great dad that you are and give her your wisdom i'll call you that's, yeah I'm, I'm here totally you know just give her the wisdom you know I think the most powerful thing that parents can give their kids, even if they roll their eyes at us and they go, I don't, what are you talking about? And they do that, by the way, you know, they get to that age where like, they don't want to hear you. They want you to drop them off a block away yeah. from school. You know, they go, they go through all of their independence days, mm -hmm. you know, he's got two boys too. He's got oh, two boys so too. <laughs> How's that go, Rob? Yeah. I, I just tell my, my oldest son, I, I said, <laughs> My goal in life is you You don't have to agree with me and you may not like it now, but when you look back down the road when you have kids, you'll be like, man, my dad did the right thing. That's why he taught me this way, and that that's what I hope my goal is. You're going to hate it right now. I, I said to him the other day, he, uh, <laughs> he didn't want to do something, and I said, listen, the problem living in this house is it's not a democracy, it's a dictatorship. <laughs> I said, so unfortunately, you have to listen to the dictator right now, and then you'll get, you know, we'll give you some money to go get whatever you want. But you know. got it. I love that. Like that a little bit of tough love goes a long yeah. way. Yeah. Also, you know, I say the same thing to my boys. It's funny you say that, Rob, because I'll, I'll say, you may not agree with me right now. You might be rolling your eyes. You might like, oh, there she goes again, whatever. I go, but. <clears throat> excuse me one day you're going to remember what i said and it's going to all connect for you yep yep they're young they're defiant they think they by the way they think they know better than you do half the time <laughs> yes now how do you when you apply these things another thing i see a lot is coping 
you know, a lot of people don't know, and, and I didn't either, so I'm not talking down to anybody, but when, when somebody can't cope with things, so they just go along with something that they don't agree with or don't think is right, but they don't know how to cope with things. How do you change that mindset where you take a second and you basically deal with it, coping, dealing with it, whatever it may be? Do you run across that a lot in your coaching and, and well, or it comes out at some point? I do. And coping mechanisms are really important. That's why a lot of what I teach with the mindfulness techniques and the skill sets is to help people cope better. And there's some really simple techniques around that. For example, you know, when you feel like you can't cope, that suddenly uh, manifests itself in the body. And you start to feel anxious, you could feel angry, you could feel that fight or flight, you could feel desperate. You, you that, What I say in my book, says who, every thought creates an emotion and they're connected. So when you start to feel the onset of something that feels like, you may not say to yourself, oh, you know what I'm feeling right now? I'm feeling like I can't cope. A lot of the times we don't say those things to ourselves. We don't even... We're not even conscious or cognizant of the fact that we feel like we can't cope. We're just at the effect of the emotion and it's taken us over. And so what what do we end up feeling like? I can't cope. So it's very important to catch these things early on. That's why I love the mindfulness work because the mindfulness work, and I've been doing this for so long, you know, people say, oh, look at you. You probably never have a negative thought. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm human. I was you just going to say, you are human. It's like, you know, <laughs> Like you got to practice what you preach. You got to practice. I say I got to walk what I what I've written because that I'm I'm my best guinea pig. So I try it out on myself, and I feel that it's really what's where mindfulness really helps is that be aware of what you're feeling, even when it starts to percolate. Something's off. Like we can tell when we feel off. And for those of us that are more connected to what's going on with ourselves, you know, I always say, you know, take a spiritual pulse. Like, like, say, ask yourself, how am I doing? How, how, what's going on? So if you're feeling off, you can literally ask yourself questions. I'm a big believer in asking questions. The says who method is seven questions. You know, you can ask yourself, wow, you know, I'm fe really feeling off today. What's going on? You know, maybe you're feeling fearful about something. What am I, what am I feeling anxious about? I can tell you that if you really stay with that, thoughts are going to start to come up. I'm feeling anxious that like, you know, I got to do this by tomorrow and I, I feel ill prepared. I, I, you know, think about all the things that could come up that you're going to say to yourself, feeling out of control or feeling like you can't cope, which is a way of basically saying I feel out of control. Okay. And I am a big believer in nipping this in the bud. I'm a big believer in working with what you have. And what I really encourage people to do is to check in with yourself. Check in. You, you know, you're, if you saw somebody that you love and they looked sad or troubled, you go, "What's going on? Are you okay? How are you doing? What, what's what's going on?" We got to ask ourselves those questions so that if you are feeling anxious or feeling down what's going on? What's making me feel that way? And some people say to me, or I don't get an immediate answer. I go, just be with it and ask yourself, what's the first thought that pops up? I will tell you, I've worked with so many people where they start to, and I teach them how to do this to themselves. 
so they don't need me to ask them that question they will say wow i am so much more connected to when i'm feeling off and invariably there's something that's there beneath the surface that i'm not connecting with and i'm not just talking about like an immediate thing when someone pisses you off that's called being triggered that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about to your specific question tommy when you feel like you can't cope first of all you need to tell yourself i'm very capable of coping again this is the positive reinforcement of telling ourselves those thoughts and not believing the thoughts that want to undermine our abilities if you say to yourself i can't cope well what where's where, what is that based on you can't cope with this particular situation says so, who says so. <laughs> who thank you that means you're feeling somehow you don't trust yourself you're feeling a little bit out of control you don't know whether you can handle the situation. But if you tell yourself you can, you're going to do the best job you can in the moment. You know, I have a friend of mine who uh, someone they know just went through a situation. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but it was it was a very troubling situation that they found themselves in. And afterwards, they beat themselves up terribly because they did something that they said was so stupid that they couldn't believe that they did it. And, you know, without, you know, hitting someone when they're down or adding insult to injury, the most important thing is, you know, my friend said to them, well, what did you learn from this? What did you learn? Because for you to walk away and just say, I'm so stupid, I can't believe I did something that stupid. We have to catch things in the moment. That's the complete gold of mindfulness. It's gold. Because what it does is it lets you become so good you become like a samurai if you really practice mindfulness every day i can tell you it is a it is a superpower i i say that in my book by the way i say mindfulness is a superpower it really is because the more you get present and the more you catch things like this i mean look at warriors look at samurais look at people that are like there's that great um I think it was a Japanese movie. I can't remember if it was maybe a Kurosawa movie where there's a samurai and he's sitting and he's eating and a fly is buzzing around him and he goes like this with his chopsticks <laughs> and he catches the fly like he's like he goes like you know what I mean? he probably like, did it in real life yeah, too. But Those guys are monsters. Yeah. It's like think about your thoughts like that. Yeah. Like catch a thought when it's trying to take you down. Catch a thought when it's trying to tell you're not capable catch a thought you know this is all thought-based i'm a thought-based person i love the whole mind strength thing it really excites me i believe that we can develop this this ability to just strengthen our our thoughts in a way that we are really powerful human beings do, you know that that's that's exciting to me do you think you know i have a weird like do you think years ago compared to now people were more in touch with their thoughts and I guess that's a hard question to ask but with their thoughts and with their minds because I remember a story my mom told me and how true it is I don't know but her I think it was her uncle was diagnosed with cancer and the doctor had told him he had cancer and he told himself that he didn't have cancer like crazy story right nuts no, I, I've and, heard many of them. And he kept telling Factual. himself that, and he doesn't have cancer. And the doctor's like, listen, dude, you got cancer, not good, da-da-da-da. 
And when he went back for a checkup, you know, I don't know, a couple months later, the doctor was like, what the fuck? Like, there's nothing there. But he was so into his mind and his own, like, telling himself stuff and whatever it was that, you know, miracle, whatever we want to call it. But do you think years ago they were more in touch with their inner self or not really? You know, I, Rob, I think that's a really good question. But, but I think we're, we're at a time right now where we have capabilities that are even more powerful than even before. Meaning that when I talk about like something like mindfulness being a superpower, I think that because so much is being revealed to us today, we're being exposed to the lies around big pharma. You and I talked earlier, Tommy, about, you know, you just the way you deal with people today is you just stuff them with, you know, pharmaceutical drugs so that they don't get in touch with their feelings. I think we have the ability today to be super super beings. I really do. I mean, I subscribe to your story because I think there are a lot of people that think that way. And I think that when we are on this track of what I'm talking about, like when we are on that incredible, like laser sharp track of like, I always say we have useful thoughts and we have useless thoughts. And when a useless thought pops up in your head, you're like, nope, I don't need that. That's useless to me. I have no use for that thought. So, you know, for somebody who's telling themselves they're going to be fine and they're going to beat cancer, why wouldn't you tell yourself that? I mean, the guy that did that, I believe in those stories completely, by the way. Me too. And I, th and I think with everything that's happening with this great awakening of this time that we're in right now, I think that more and more people are dismantling these lies that we've been told. I mean, look what happened over the last three years with the, the pandemic. We were told that we don't have natural immunity. We were told we couldn't even go out and breathe fresh air or get vitamin D. Look at the messages that we're being told. You're, you, you're weak. You're not strong enough. You can be controlled. You don't have the strength to do this. We have to tell you what to do. I mean, this is a, these are lies. So I completely agree with that story. I don't think that that was more of a time. I think if anything, we are at the precipice of some major thing happening on the planet and we can bust it wide open by recognizing how powerful we are. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that we're gonna let a bunch of guys or a bunch of people tell us who we are, really? Are you kidding? So that goes, back to everything whether it's telling yourself that you can heal telling yourself that you are capable of manifesting whatever you want this is why i think someone said to me recently i think it's so interesting they were saying i think a lot of this is happening because we're meant to become stronger human beings we're meant to see the lies maybe the things that are being shoved down our throats or shoved in our faces every day is because we're going to get to a point we're going to go absolutely not that is not the world you know you talk about the, you know you, we didn't mention this but the world economic forum talking about the new world order oh yeah like what what about the word order, order yeah that word even mean you know you're ordering the new world yeah. you're gonna order our new world so i think we're in an incredibly exciting time as challenging and as crazy as it seems i think we have the opportunity to be these unbelievable powerful human beings on the planet and that's why it's so threatening and I, and this is why i think your work is so important i saw with my own eyes my mom's best friend alba had stage five breast cancer and they flew to italy 
and they were on this whole and I was making fun of it and like you guys are crazy and they went and prayed to one of the statues in Sicily one of this whole thing this whole fiasco <laughs> she comes back one week later cancer free mm. no medicine no nothing whatever mind. it was but in her mind mm. she went and talked to this statue and in her mind this statue was going to heal her and she came back and she cancer free still has both breasts everything with my own eyes and then many times and i've heard people around these people they were bad alcoholics and they said i'm done i'm done and i i would hear people you can't just be done why not why can't you because who says that who the rehab that that's milking you for three grand a week the aa who's getting grants here put five dollars in a fucking cup every time i go who who says you can't just wake up one day and say you know what i'm done i've I've known addicts that have done that yeah. they just one day woke up and said i'm i'm not I'm never going to smoke again i mean you know whether they were addicted to something right i'm not know, saying I, they weren't addicted but they stopped on their own like that they didn't need all the bullshit and everything else they oh. just stopped and then and i heard around all of them Oh, there's no way somebody can do that, 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 that. And I was with you, but like I'm on the same thought level as you, that the mind can control way more than we think. And I would be like, has has the fucking guy drank? He's shaking over here. He's fine. He's not. He's done. He's willing to go through it. He's done. Leave him alone. Well, first of all, I I mentioned in my book, and I can't believe I'm spacing out his name. Wilson, the the man that started AA. Oh, uh, Bill. Uh, Bill, uh, you mean, uh, who yeah, is it? I wrote about him in my book and I'm like, absolutely not. And I just went through your books yesterday. Uh, yeah. well, anyway, <clears throat> Rob will find he, it. Yo, great. Thank you. He created AA. How did he create AA? He had a mystical experience. The man had a mystical experience on his own. Bill he W. And by the way, I talk about that in Mindfulness and Mysticism, my book, my other book, Mindfulness and Mysticism, which is really about transcending things like addiction and accessing chemicals in our own brain that mimic a medicine chest. Um, he literally had a what's called a mystical experience where he connected to divine presence, call it God, you know, whatever you want to call it, absolute Christ consciousness, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And he never took a drink again. That that's how he got sober. Yeah, he didn't he, go to detox. He, 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 he yeah, he, he didn't spend, you know, whatever the money was back then, you know, whatever for a week of detox and then rehab and then outpatient and then inpatient and then this pill and that pill. He that's just right, exactly. he had he hit he to him it was God, I believe. Bill W you said? Yeah, Bill W and Bob Smith, it says. Two people. Bill, Bill W, I think, is it Bill Wilson? It, I, I, it, it just I, says Bill W. doesn't even give his last name. It says Bill Well, w. it's anonymous. Anonymous, yeah. yeah. But so, like you well, said, it was well, the spiritual thing. He had a divine awakening. The man had literally a divine awakening. And that's how he said he never drank again. So who are we to say how somebody's going to have a divine experience and how they're going to come to awakening and becoming completely reborn human beings. I mean, that's the open-mindedness that I like to talk about. That's like the, the miracles that you're talking about. You two, you both mentioned examples of people that had these miracles because they believed they could have this miracle. 
You know, it's a lot of how we believe and but, what we think. But these people just want to go with the narrative that nobody can just stop addiction because they decided to, or nobody can, you know, cure a, a disease because they wanted to, or because they thought it, you, you know, and then you, all that negativity around it, that could set somebody back, you know, instead of, Hey, good job. Yeah. Wow. You did it. Wow. But the narrative is, oh, it's impossible. It's impossible. And where does that narrative come from? We'll go back to it. Big Pharma, the insurance bullshit, greed, money, whoever's running it, that's what it's all about. Because if you go to Portugal, they have their addiction rate went down 80-some percent. If you want to walk in and buy Coke, you can walk in and buy Coke. If you have addiction, you know what they do? They give you a couple bangers of NAD and Librium and send you on your way because they're not paying. You know, Portugal, yeah. they are not paying out of their money for you to go to rehab. Here's NAD. And I think they're also, yeah. aren't they also really good at helping people like place them on jobs and yeah. get them, you know, situated and not live the life of this constant Correct. victim mentality. You know, I did a whole says who series on addiction. There was a, a man that was a recovering alcoholic a drug user who sought me out and sought out says who he said your book blew my mind because he goes on in in aa we don't ask we don't connect to our thoughts we don't say well what's the thought that got me to reach for that drink what's the thought that made me want to shoot myself up with heroin and so we did a whole series around says who for the addict yeah. you know and good for you that, yeah, no, it was awesome. I loved it. And he he's the one that sought me out. He's like, I, he goes, I want to work with other addicts with the says who method. I was like, go for it. That's awesome. Because you want to be able to take responsibility for your thoughts. Look, I get it that, you know, maybe recovering addicts want to connect with other recovering addicts. That's no, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's that belief, as you said, that you in order to stay sober, in order to stay clean, you can't really you isn't amazing that what's the what's the um aa mantra i don't know that it's, it's, it's some chip that you get and then it's like do 90 and 90 and or if you stick well, it's, stick, the, it's the amendment you, you have to make amends but it's also yeah. like they do this like prayer together like they, thank you for uh, something outside of yourself i don't know it but it's you know where they gather together and they say they basically are acknowledging that a, a a power greater than me has helped me it's like you're basically thanking a power greater than you yeah, that's putting it outside of yourself mm -hmm. and, and by the way i'm not disparaging anybody who's gotten no. great results with AA or any kind mm -hmm. of any kind of program that it ha that has helped them become you know clean and sober i'm not but I really want people to understand that to take ownership over their own abilities is something that they really could maybe consider that they have a great role in how they change their life. I bet you saved a ton of lives that you don't even know about. But just with I, that alcohol, that had to feel great because you know that can destroy somebody. Oh yeah, the addiction series was awesome, and and kudos to to this gentleman who who found me and said wow i i this is the missing piece for me with something like aa i 
believe in asking questions and your whole book is about asking questions. So yeah, I hopefully I have. I mean, look, I love helping people. It, I'm passionate about helping people. I want people to really connect to their greatest self and also to recognize how powerful that they really are. Because we're, we're, like I said, we're powerful beings. And this goes back to everything we've been talking about. Like with the AA or the NA, it's, it's almost like if you don't do it this way, you're going to fail. And that's, we had Eric the Jeweler. He doesn't care. Uh, we call him Eric the Jeweler. And, you know, he's clean now. But it was this whole shit all the time. It, there's only one way. And if you don't do it this way, you're going to fail. And I would, and this is before all this podcasting and these doctors. And I was like, it says who? Like, everybody's different. Like, who the fucker is, you know, what is that? After you give the $5 or the 20 or you know what I mean? Which one? Another oh, thing man. I wanted to ask you about that I think is a big thing. So when, when, when you're around certain people, so say you have like a coping issue or an alone issue or any of the issues we discussed and you're around someone and you need them and they let you borrow money or they do something for you. Now you feel like you owe them. So now, although you know that they're not the best person to be connected to or to be in contact with all the time, you answer that call or you get yourself in a situation that you know you probably shouldn't because, well, he or she did this for me. I feel bad. I have to answer this or I have to do this. I've seen that ruin people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that has to go back to what you're doing. I just don't quite know how. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, helping people or giving to people, there's a lot of dynamics that are involved there. In other words, I think there's some acts of giving that are very selfless and there's acts of giving that are very conditional. So first of all, what I want to say is just know who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with somebody that's dysfunctional you know there's that great line like never get into bed with someone who's more screwed up than you kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) and getting into bed could be a metaphor for a lot of things you know do business give something to you know you can fill in the blank it's like who do you who are you interacting with is it a is it a dysfunctional interaction is it a healthy interaction So if you feel obligated to do something for someone or give somebody something, I think you have a choice to be able to say to yourself, I'm giving to this person. If you want to help them unconditionally, I'm expecting nothing in return. But don't give something to somebody where you know that that person is going to expect something in return from you. Because then you've entered into a relationship with that act of giving that's going to be conditional. Well, see, or I was raised, if you're going to give something to somebody... Because remember, Italians never pay anybody back, at least not fully. And never, never has happened, no one in my life ever. But so I was taught early, if you're going to lend somebody money or give something, do it because you want to. Don't ever expect it back. I'm talking about the person on the receiving end that knows that this person is going to want control in some way, shape or form of them, or they're going to want them to do something or, or make them feel bad you know, in the mind, emotionally, I've done this for you. So now if you don't answer my call or if you don't help me out with ABCD or if you don't hang out with me, well, I did this for you. 
So the yeah. person on that other end that has to deal with that, but doesn't know how to deal with that guilt. That's what I'm saying. I've seen that destroy people. Yeah. I mean, you know, guilt, as we know, guilt is something that is definitely um, you take on and you have to look at where guilt comes from. You know, guilt could be because you've done something that you know is not cool and you feel bad about it and oh, you feel point. guilty about that. There's also guilt that comes from, you know, your upbringing and your culture and it's embedded yeah. in you. So you, you're dealing with guilt sometimes around that. But I, I think the way it destroys people is because they're allowing themselves to be destroyed. Again, you have to take responsibility for your relationships and the nature of your relationships. And if, again, if you've given something to somebody or, you know, somebody gave something to you and then now you're like, Hey, you're indebted to me. <laughs> You know, and if they blow you off or they don't respond to you or they never answer your call again, you're going to have to really look at that and say, okay, look, what's my expectation here? Because anytime you do some kind of exchange, be it money, goods of any kind, it's two people that are consenting to doing that with each other. And you have to really ask yourself, you know, again, Am I going into this giving dynamic with somebody where it's going to end up backfiring or right. it's going to end up screwing me over or I'm going to allow myself to feel like I've been screwed over? Do you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I really feel that when you say it's destroyed people, look at your guilt, your feelings of guilt. Are they authentic? That's another thing going back to authenticity. Are you feeling guilty because it's your personality to feel like you've got to overcompensate. Mm -hmm. Is it your personality that if you haven't been 100% perfect to somebody, somehow you're not a good person? You know, sometimes a lot of guilt yeah. is self-induced. Yeah. True. Yeah. <clears throat> you, that was said well, expert. That was said very, you couldn't have said that better. <laughs> and, I wanted, and I want to just add, if I could, just sure. one more thing. Sure. Nice. Take your time. I want to I want to add something to mindful about mindfulness because it's so key in so many scenarios. Mindfulness really teaches us to be present. You know, a, a study out of Harvard, I think, said that our mind wanders over fifty percent of the time. And where does it go? It usually goes into the future, which isn't here yet, and we're anticipating what might or could happen, or we're lamenting yeah. the past. We're begrudging the past. Like, why did I do that? Why did they do that? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't that happen? Or will this happen or won't it happen? And where we have the hardest time being is in the present, which is the most glorious place to be because oh. it's the most real moment there is. It's it, We're in real time right now. I'm enjoying my conversation with you. I don't want to be anywhere else. This is exactly where I want to be. Thank and if you. I thought to be somewhere else, it would rob me of this moment that I'm having with you right now. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about a scenario that you just shared with me, be aware of where your mind goes. Is, is guilt something that you're carrying over from what has already happened mm -hmm. and you're letting it penetrate the present? Yeah. <clears throat> that well, happened and I'm still suffering about that today. I'm still letting this eat me up alive today look yeah. at how many people do that yeah. they're still letting things eat them up alive and make them miserable in the present because they wish they didn't do what they did yesterday wow wow uh, yep yeah. that that was well said 
<laughs> well said. Holy shit. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. That's really good. That was then. This is now. Very good. Very, very good. When, when you're coaching, well, what what's the biggest obstacle or, or challenge you've, what's the most common, the most common obstacle you've come across? I'm going to answer that straight on. <laughs> I, w- I can answer that immediately. I was a life coach for 10 years. Oh, and so. was, was, <laughs> a decade was, of that. I don't know how you're not in a loony bin. <laughs> no, but let me tell you. Kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, no, here's, here what, here's what it comes down to. I cannot work with people that don't want to work with themselves. I cannot help anybody. Even if I've got the magic potion of life, I can't work or help anybody unless they themselves want to work with themselves and help themselves then we can do it together if they want to seek me out as a coach you know i had clients that would come to me and all they wanted to do was bitch all, all the, the entire session <laughs> I, had, I had people come you know let a <laughs> let a therapist or psychiatrist do that that's just not my jam i don't want to sit there and take someone's money i don't need money that desperately that i'm going to sit with you for an hour while you're complaining about your ex-husband or ex-wife and you've been divorced for 20 years. Oh my God. Why are we talking about this? It's like such a waste of good time. Now, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Tommy, there are a lot of therapists and psychiatrists out there that make a fortune. 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 Listening to people complain and they want to do nothing to change their life. I, I don't, that's not the kind of, people I like to work with. It's not my, it's not my thing. I had that whole <clears throat> anxiety thing. So my mom, you know, worry, work, something to 3000 freaking therapy and made, made me go. And I just went to me and it, it was just here. And, and, you know, when, when I was in that situation with this anxiety bullshit, when a therapist would say to me, Hey, Tommy, how's your day? That was it for me. I, I was, is it time to go? How's my, how do you think my day is? How do you think my day is? You got my money. How's my day? And one time I the one guy that actually really wasn't a, a good, like he was a good guy and helped me with business more than therapy. But I walked in to this one that I stayed with for a while and, you know, I was running businesses and stuff. And he said, why the fuck do you have all those gold chains on? And I said, that's my guy. Cause you know, I was, I thought I was cool with like a big gold chain, like some weirdo young stuff. But when he talked to me like that, I was like, okay, all right, I can, I can deal with this for my mind. And I'll deal with this, you know? And then it ended up being a $400 a week clip, uh, for an hour on business. (laughs) I mean, but nothing related and me and me complaining, of course. But nothing related to what you do. You know, you did, this is a whole different ballgame. And this is, in my opinion, uh, you know, you can call it therapy, whatever you want to call it. But this is what I think the avenue should switch to. Because a therapist, to me, is turning into a chiropractor. You know, I, by the way, I have a chapter and says who called the something to worry about thoughts. And it talks about being a worrier, you know, and it's a great chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters because it's like, I help people stop worrying. (laughs) So I worked with one client one day and she says to me, 
I haven't worried. I've been doing your says who method and I haven't worried in two hours. What's wrong? <laughs> what's, what's the matter? I haven't worried. Remember, honey, That's says good. who? <laughs> right? So we're so programmed to, you know, like God forbid we should like have nothing to complain about. God forbid we should not worry for a couple of hours. Like what's wrong? You know, it's like we're freaked out if we're if, if things are going well. You know, and and that goes along with also the programming of growing up with dysfunction. And, you know, practically, I think every one of us has a story about our upbringing. You know, it's like, you know, any anybody who's had parents post World War Two. I mean, it's not that they had the book on how to raise kids because they didn't. You know what I mean? So they made a lot of they made a lot of mistakes. Uh, I do think that. we have to ask ourselves, why are we so afraid of being happy people? Why why do we need problems? Why do we need drama? Why do we need to feel like we're a victim of some kind? If you got the answer for that drama thing, I got I'll pull I'll I'll take a rope and I'll drag in three thousand people for you to, to talk to yeah. about this drama shit and this you TLC. Know, I'm gonna oh my god. Listen, a lot of people a lot of people, you know, get the, the, what are they going to do without their drama? Yeah. What are they going to do without their drama? I run from it. I run. Oh, I run. totally. <laughs> so, isn't it interesting the things that maybe we thought were appealing or sexy at one time, and suddenly it's such a turnoff? Oh yeah, oh, I can't stand it. Drama, drama, just the drama is like uh, the plague to me. I, it drives me nuts. The TV shows. Desperate the, Housewives. Of- I mean, I would be. I'd like to be the writer and take the four billion for some dumb script that I wrote for these idiots to do. But other than the paycheck, <laughs> I don't know how people watch this shit. And then, and then they apply it to life, and then they need you. You're going to be a billionaire before you know it. Once they realize what these shows are doing to them, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or I'm, I'm going to have to go through twenty layers to get a hold of you. <laughs> yeah, really, really fast story because I know we're ending. I was once approached. By oh, I got three more for you, quick. So oh, go ahead. Okay. If I have time. A funny little story I'll share with you. After I wrote Says Who, I I just had this dream of like, okay, people are going to really get that this method is going to change their lives and it's going to be revolutionary. Because I really think Says Who is an awesome method, the Says Who method. Out of the blue, I finished this book. I get a call from Beverly Hills Housewives, if you can believe it. I mean, it's like the craziest story. Uh, someone recommended me and they call me up. I'm like, I just wrote this, like, I think, incredible book. It's, you know, I consider myself a very psycho spiritually, you know, you know, well versed human being. Beverly I get Hills. a call from Beverly Hills Housewives. <laughs> and there, and she, this woman, this casting woman, is talking to me and she's saying, I think you'd be great for the show you'll be our you'll be the life coach and this will be great it'll be super helpful and i'm on the phone and i'm thinking what like and so i said to her i took that talk about being a truth sayer i said you know i'm kind of a spiritual gal and you know i just wrote this book on this transformational thinking method and um <laughs> i just i don't i don't really think that i'm the right person for your show. And she went dead silent on me. I mean, I said other things to her that, I mean, it wasn't offensive. It was just like, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't think I'm the right fit for you. Goes dead silent. She goes, and that's why you're the perfect person for the show. (laughs) And so I thought to myself, well, talk about drama. What? I'm going to be a life coach on a show that thrives on drama. 
script, it's a, scripted it's a, drama. Yeah. It doesn't even make any sense. Like I'm going to get caught up in the crossfire of the whole intention of the show, which is to have nothing but high drama, constant drama, constant fighting, constant feuding. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to get involved in that kind of craziness. So I had friends on one side like, oh, my God, you should do it. It's going to be great for you. You know, da da da. your book's going to become a bestseller overnight. And the, my other friends are like, you want to sell your soul? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I bet the other friends are watching the new one now. Yeah, Whatever the new one is. So I, you know, talk about authentic. That's we we got to stand up for our authenticity. And I just knew that wasn't my story, and that wasn't going to be my path. I don't remember all this drama, TV shows, everything when I was growing up. Where do you think this all came out of? Do you think it started with the Kardashians? By the way, I think Chris uh, Jenner. I think she's the devil. I, I don't know any no no guys come out of that family unscathed. Not one. Nope. Can you name one? <laughs> no. Not one guy. Think about I, it. I mean, I, you, you, you got you got starting I, NBA players. Curse. They're on the bench. I, you got I, Kanye. He doesn't. You know, he gave up all his houses, which I like. Kardashian curse. Fucking. I okay, mean. I okay, you. This is really funny. This is this is very funny. I don't. You don't usually like to talk like this. This is just not what I like to be doing. But you just hit on something where, because I'm on Instagram, and you know, a lot of things come up on Instagram. And I kid you not, I saw somebody today post something on Instagram about Tom Brady. And, you know, you. my family loves Tom Brady. He's the goat. Okay? Thank you. Thank. What'd you just say? He's a goat. Oh. Rob, did you hear that? Can you please say that one more time, Laura? We 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 do this all the time. He Tom thinks Montana. Brady, Tom Brady is the goat. You know, oh, I've learned oh, that from that. my Okay, so okay, but that all right. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Having, somebody on Instagram literally came on Instagram. I just popped up on my feed today and the guy goes on a rant. You might even know who he is. I can't tell you his name. Sure. And he says I don't know if any of this is true. I hate gossip of any kind, but it was like to the likes of that. If Tom Brady is dating Kim Kardashian, he, he, this guy went like fierce attacking, like of all the people you shouldn't be dating is her. And I don't even know if it's true. I don't know, but he went mm -hmm. on such a rant that like nobody, nobody comes out of that unscathed. Do you know? It's like what you just said. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, Tom Brady's a big boy. He could do whatever he wants, even if he is the goat. I hope he didn't get cursed. <laughs> rumor I, has it. I know. I, I read the rumor too. I'm just hoping that she didn't lay the curse on him. I hope not. Oh, oh boy! Yikes! I, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know anyone that ever came out. They're bench warmers now, or they're they're in uh, therapy ten times a week. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not good. Well, I mean, listen, that kind of gossip can, you yeah. know, oh, be yeah. sort of silly. But um, it's just funny that you said that you about about that. So, so your question, because I don't want to, I don't want to not stay on that. Reality TV, I think, is one of the most. I think it's been very damaging. Actually, I think it's been damaging to many generations of people that grew up on these watching these shows i happen to you know know a lot of my friends daughters that were affected by it personally and they they went through a lot of their own psychological issues because they felt they couldn't live up to the types of 
reality that these people flaunt and show and it's just weird it's just a weird concept like why are we watching people live out their what should be private lives publicly i mean i know that's the allure i know that's why people are tuning in because you're privy to their private affairs i think that's i think there's something really distorted about that and i think it's psychologically really um dysfunctional and Very they, much so. and they carry it over into life. And I try to tell these <clears throat> individuals because we've had them in script right. It's scripted. Yeah. Like they're there to make money. They're, it's written down what's going to happen. It's not real. But a lot of these people watch this crazy stuff and then if they're in a relationship cuz most of it is that, then you know, this guy did this or this guy did this and then whoever they're with is at work and he's, I don't know, out in the back of his car with, with, I don't know, some girl's panties and you know, the car's getting broken apart. Like I've really seen it it lay over and it's all scripted. You idiot. It's scripted. I shouldn't say it. It's all scripted. It's written down to make money from commercials. And I, and I feel like, you know, you have to ask yourself, why do you want to watch this? Because for me, I feel like, why do these people want to watch this nowadays? Why is that now? It really, well, they they want to feel that they can relate to the life that these people have that seems so oh, ad- glamorous. Glamorous and extraordinary that it makes them feel better about themselves because they feel their lives are so limited and so small. I think you lose brain cells watching those shows. Yeah. It really dumbs you down. And um, I, I, I don't understand it. And I think the ones that are the most susceptible to it are the younger generations. And, you know, again, with girls and, you know, just back to your first question to me, even when you brought up Dr. Brenner, you're talking about a lot of young girls that look at these celebrities that look a certain way and they've changed their bodies and they've altered the way they look. And then you've got these young girls who like, well, I should look like that. And they don't look like that. And who's to say that's even like the way you want to look or should look. I know. I know. TLC, you need, the Discovery Channel. You need the old I swear. You need the I don't care 90s. how hot she is. I'm leaving. You, you, need, you, the need, old, you need the old 90s shows. Family Matters, Step by <laughs> yeah. Step, Full House. Yeah, let's bring the back the ones. 90s. Urkel. Uh-huh. Yeah, how about Urkel? You know, you funny the, stuff. Yeah, the good old 90s. Like, yeah. what happened? I don't know. TGI Friday, remember? Yep. I mean, like, yeah, where do we go so south? What happened? I don't, I'm telling you, this Kardashians. I don't know, something. Although Jersey Shore was kind of cool. I like Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jersey Shore. There were some reality shows. I mean, you know, there's the, re- the reality shows that you had to survive on an island and things like yeah. that. But when it went into, like, all of this crazy drama 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 yeah Yeah, high drama high drama high craziness you know what i mean it's like we have to ask ourselves as a society why do we look at that and we think that's a positive and they've been watching they've been watching nonstop. i got a good one for you how do you keep mindfulness when you're watching politics question that's a good one and i'll tell you why because i can relate to that personally because let me tell you something i've never considered myself a political person per se meaning that yeah i want to i want to vote for somebody who i think is going to be a good leader of my country for sure and that's always been something that i've you know been very diligent about doing 
when the world went crazy three years ago, that's when I really started to pay attention to politics. And now with how far it's gone and how it's gotten so crazy, I started to see things, even things that maybe I didn't see before, that suddenly I'm looking at politics in a whole new way. Now, I think it's very apparent how corrupt it is. I mean, you're talking about major corruption and so much has come down, including from when Trump got, you know, became president and everything that's happened since then has been just a you know what show. It's been so crazy. So for me, it's a very fine line between because I feel again, I support, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I believe in him. I think he's a really honorable man. I think he's got great values and wants to bring back democracy and, you know, reclaim our freedoms of this country in the way that his uncle and his father tried to do. And I respect that wholeheartedly. I just feel that there's so much corruption in politics today. I try and stay present and I try and stay non-reactive because there's a lot of things that can piss you off and really trigger you. And you can get personally affronted by what you see. You see all this craziness going on right now in our current administration that just is, you know, this whole wokeness, this this crazy stuff that's happening. That I'm like, did 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 some like extraterrestrials just take over our planet? I know. What just happened at the White House? What just happened? And it's ever since Trump, and even Trump, he said, "I like Kennedy." I don't know if you heard him say. No, they're, no, I know they're 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 saying nice things about each other, which I think is great. I don't know what the answer is, Tommy. I'm concerned about the future of our country Hell and of yeah. our world. Hell I really, yeah. genuinely am. You talk about having a three year old. I have kids myself. I I don't know really what the future is going to look like if we don't really take hold here of turning this ship around. We got to turn the ship around. I just don't know how. <clears throat> they they got so much power. I mean, no matter what side you're on, you know, even even if you hate Trump and you think he's the biggest jerk off in the world, okay, fine. He did whatever he did. But then you have like the Biden, I mean, that's clear as day and he's gonna get a, a fine. So even if even if you love Biden, great. But you can't look at that and say he's getting a fine. But this guy is looking at 20 years for classified documents and, and shit from, you know, that they all had. I couldn't agree with you more. You can't have corruption over here, but that's okay. But then you're going to indict him for what now? Like he opened the door wrong. What, like what else are you going to throw at this guy? Right. Do you know what I mean? It's one it's, thing. It's like you can't get him on that. And, and I'm just saying, like, whether you're a Trump supporter or not, like, I like Kennedy and I like Trump. I, I just want what's best. I don't care about left, right, all this other craziness. And they want you to. And they want yeah. to polarize us. And they want us to fight. And they want chaos. And they want what feels like this communist, communistic takeover. Yeah. Of our, of I like country. them both. I like both of them. But, you know, it's just wild to me. Like, you, you, you're you're just constantly going after Trump, like with every freaking thing that you can, like just throwing anything that might stick from like, you mean to tell me a billionaire? OK, say he's not a billionaire. Let's just go with that. A guy who's got money. He's got to go like harass a woman in a, a dressing room and then you're going to indict him on that or charge him with that. 
But then you're going to have a laptop that you hide that you know Biden's giving money to Ukraine, which is creating a lot of problems for us, and then laundering it back. Just look at the guy's house. I mean, I mean. It makes, you know what? It makes no sense. Yeah. It, it so scares me. There's, it does. There's so much corruption, and I agree with you. I agree with you. Whatever your personal feelings are about Donald Trump as a person, I think you have to really separate out what someone has done right. while they were president. What are the positives they did? You may not agree with their policies. You may not stand. You could maybe you can't stand them as a person. Whatever you know, everybody looks at things in different ways. But what's going on now? What comes up for me immediately? And I've had this conversation with my husband several times. I do not accept corruption being excused over here. Mm -hmm. And then we're super focused on corruption over here. It doesn't make sense to me. They're just things that don't make sense to me. And again, it goes back to everything that's gone on over the last three years. What pay attention people to what doesn't make sense. You know, we mm -hmm. have to really see what's going on right under our noses. And I, I don't want to keep you in handcuffs too long because I want to talk to you again. But uh, and can you pull up uh, Orr's website uh, whenever? Uh, how did you initially get into this? Because th th this is a thick thing that you're in here. And you've been doing it for a long time. And you're at the, yeah. the, the top of the – you're the goat of this. And I really like your website, by the way. Thank um, you. Is, is there anything you want us to click on and, and go through while we have it up? Well. Now it's so my website has so many things on it. So for anybody who wants to peruse it, they can, you know, that it's got a lot of tabs and a lot of things going on. I'll give you the, the, the short version of how I got into this. I was an actress for 10 years and a screenwriter. I sold a screen, a screenplay while I was an actress, which really was really awesome. But uh, I'm sorry, I, can I ask you one question? Yeah, sure. Okay. So when you were doing the actress thing, what year was this? I'm not going to age myself. Okay, I, okay. Let's just. Was it around the uh, what Weinstein era? Yeah, Weinstein was around. Yeah, for sure. No, but I no, I got out. Let me let me really kind of date myself. No, I was out by the time Weinstein, the Weinstein brothers, were really big in Hollywood. No, that wasn't my time. It was pre Weinstein. So I was there in it for ten years, and when I and I quit acting at 30 because I wanted to be an act uh, writer my agent was so angry at me I mean he was really pissed off it was the greatest decision of my life by the way I had a great <laughs> run I had I did commercials and episodic TV and I had great friends in the industry and I was exposed to a lot of good stuff I was lucky I got mentored and I had a lot of people who took me under their wing. I look at Hollywood today and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad. Oh shit, can you imagine? I got, I got out. <laughs> it's like, you know, talk about- Clark You dodged the board, honey. You dodged the board. The <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, okay, phew. You dodged that um, machine gun coming at you. Totally. And um, so, yeah, and I was, and I wrote when I was in school. So I was always a writer. Here's the story, and I, I'll give you a short version of it because I know we're running out of time. One of the reasons, one of the greatest reasons I got into this whole wellness field is that my book is based on my own personal story. Says Who is based on my own personal story. I had an older sister, one of two, that what was an extraordinary human being. Um, she, all my friends looked up to her. She was 
aside from being stunningly beautiful, she was like the most gorgeous woman I felt that walked this earth. She had the most incredible spirit and everybody was after her. A lot of famous guys were chasing her and running after her. And unfortunately, um, she was given drugs and um, she had a psychotic break and she never recovered. And she was diagnosed after that as depressed, uh, manic depressive and schizophrenic. And that just, just that really, I mean, it, it was tragic for my whole family. I was the youngest of four and it really, really rocked my world. It really turned my world upside down. Sorry so, to hear that. yeah, it was really, really, really so, so sad. And I miss her till today. She's no longer with us, but Ugh. here's the bottom line about, you know, why I write from my own heart and soul. And I write from my own experiences. I wrote says who because I wanted to help people not to suffer the way I suffered. Because when my sister had her psychotic break, I went into such a frightened state, like, oh, my God, she was fine yesterday. And now she's she'll never be the same again. And I had a fear thought that popped up in my head. When you go into fear, you go into fight or flight, a lot of the times you tell yourself something like, oh my God, I'm not going to be okay, or this is going to happen, or that's going to happen. And I was so terrified by what happened to her, I thought it was going to happen to me. Mm. I thought, well, if she could be normal one day, and then she's crazy the next day, well, maybe that'll happen to me. So what came from that thought? <laughs> Guess what came from that thought? That thought got buried. I buried that thought into my subconscious, and I go all into that, into says who that that's the storage room of where we bury a lot of things is into our subconscious. So out of survival, there I go and I become an actress and I start to get deep anxiety. And I didn't know why <laughs> the thought that creates the emotion, the <laughs> thought that creates the <laughs> symptom. <laughs> so I had anxiety for a lot of years and I had to stuff it down. That's how I learned how to meditate that helped me. It took me getting into therapy to realize that the thing that was fueling my fear was the fear that I had about a fear-based thought that I was going to go crazy like my sister. Nobody told me I was going to go crazy like my sister. No doctor. There was no empirical proof. It was a thought that was born out of fear. So that's what got me to write my book. Mm. And once I really saw the light and I realized, wow, I suffered so much because of her illness. And I had a lot of also, there's guilt when you survive and right. there's a family member that doesn't. You can feel those emotions, too. Right. So I went through such a huge psycho-spiritual like, journey, and it really helped me become the person that I am today. And that's why I'm, I was so committed to helping others not suffer the way that I had suffered. And how long did it take you to pull that out of your subconscious? I worked really diligently. I did every, um, I, I, I became certified in so many important therapeutic modalities. I mean, really useful ones. I'm not talking about like, let me sit on a couch and complain. I'm talking about like types of therapies that, you know, cognitive behavioral oh, therapy, yeah. meditation, gestalt therapy, Jungian uh, analysis. I did so many things. I would say it was a long road. It was a long road. And why I became a coach is because I compiled a book that was like this thick of all the certifications I had <laughs> that I said, wow, I've learned so much. I'm now ready to give it back to people. and I'm ready to help people um, not suffer in their lives. So I would, I'd say it was like over a 
a good 10 to 15 years. And then I wrote Says Who? And that was just a big game changer for me. And that was it. And I knew. And then I became a mindfulness uh, meditation practitioner. And I knew that that was the road for me, that I could really help people wake up and become more present human beings and change their life. And that's been my path. And I've written book after book after book. And when you had that anxiety, <clears throat> did you know right away that it was from your sister or did it take a while or how long did, then did it take until you were able to pull from that and realize like I kind of did in a sense, like, okay, this is the basis. That was what we could call from a psychology verbiage. It's called a, a gestalt. It's like when oh, yeah, you have so. an aha yeah. moment, you're like, whoa. Yeah, like aha. Yeah. yeah, it would be like, you know, somebody going back to addiction, somebody who's been an addict and is with a therapist that says, well, I just assume that I'm going to be an addict because my father was an addict. And then they they have the aha moment, like, what says who? Like, wait, just because my father was an addict doesn't mean I have to be an addict. So for me, that aha moment happened when I went into Jungian, the, the, which is based on Carl Jung's uh, psychology. I went into that because Carl Jung's psychology was so fertile. I was very into dream work. It was, Carl Jung is the psychologist that created the whole um, psychological understanding of the shadow, um, the unconscious, the subconscious. So I learned so much when I was in Jungian analysis. It just changed my world completely. And then I also made peace on a very deep spiritual level. I really made peace with my sister, Esther, who was her name. And I really, you know, she's with me till today. There's a beautiful picture of here and her in my office. That this that was her destiny. That was her path this time around. Mm -hmm. You know, there are those of us, we're all on our life journey. Each and every one of us is on a life journey that is particular to us, that is meant for us. And as much as it deeply saddened me what had happened to her, I had to understand that that was her fate. It wasn't my fate. It was her fate. And I was able to release her, do you know, and, and keep her in my heart with so much love, but to know that this time around in this incarnation, that was what she had to work out this time around. And I learned so much. She was my greatest gift because in a way she's her, her tragedy is as tragic as it was she really gave me the gift of knowing myself better and that I took that. And once I learned so much about my own self-realization, I then wanted to give it back to others. She gave so, this well, to you. She gave she this gave to you. Yeah. What a beautiful circle. Like mm -hmm. what she gave me, gave, made me crystallize my purpose and what I meant to do and how I meant to help people. And then that allowed me to give my teachings and my work to others. Isn't so, that funny how things work? Amazing. It's and, just amazing. How and how long works. to accept that? How long to accept that? You know. I ask that just because people holding on to things like that. That's why I'm asking. That's why I'm drilling, drilling you with I, that one. I worked a I, You know, Tommy, I worked really long and hard with it. You know, making peace within ourselves is such a huge deal. And I tell people, take the time that you need, but don't suffer less than you have to don't suffer unnecessarily and when i had the big realization of like i couldn't save her and that's another thing a lot of the times people want to save yeah. the people they love 
we can't save people. We can't. I mean, we can try, but how long are we going to try to save somebody that really can't be saved? It wasn't my job to save my sister. So it, it was a long haul. And if I knew what I know today, especially writing a book like Says Who, I could have worked through it and moved through it much, much faster than it being drawn out as long as it did. And it also, not that I begrudge it or lament it, it cost me my career because I had a great career and, you know, I was being groomed to be, you know, a real viable actress. And I was studying with the top acting teacher at the time and I had a you know everybody was in my acting school that was that a lot of famous people it wasn't my that wasn't meant to be for me this mm -hmm. was what was meant for me and that's the beauty of this life it's like what you're talking about you know the former you and who you are today look at maybe who we were that's not who we were meant maybe to be that wasn't what our destiny is and that's not what our purpose here is while we're here on this earth you know, we have to really understand that what we're meant to do, maybe we didn't know it back then, but we know it now. <clears throat> Sounds like Esther helped you find your purpose. She did. She really did. It was it was a gift. And, and I, I hold her deep in my heart and love her dearly. What a what an incredible soul she was. Good for you. And, and last thing, how's the being with Dally Dally? Daily clout working now. I love Daily Clout. Naomi Wolf is awesome. She's amazing. She she herself is such a powerhouse and a truth sayer. And she read my book, Time to Awaken, and she really got what I she was like, Wow, you're like you're in the wellness field and you're speaking the truth. That's awesome. They're like, wow, it's so actually the truth. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she interviewed me and it was awesome. And she said, I'd love for you to contribute to daily clout would you like to do that i said i would love to and i and i love it i love you know doing things like this with people like you you know oh, having these you. conversations which is which has been awesome to just talk about all this good stuff and then also to be able to interview people for daily clout so it's it's all good you're doing you're doing great things um thank you so much for your time and I, I don't have any time limit ever <clears throat> i just don't want to hold you up you can ask him that, the fuck time you guys are awesome and thank you for doing what you're doing and all the questions the questions that you've asked and all that you've shared you know that we could have this memorable conversation to me is like i'd rather be doing nothing else than having real talk me so too me as well thank you me. yeah thank you yeah thanks for holding the space <laughs> oh, yeah no absolutely no thank you you know it, it's great to talk to people like i feel the same as well it's real it's not some stick you know it's just real conversation that you never know who you're helping out there too. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So thank you, gentlemen. For, thank you. For having me on today. And I really enjoyed it. And I, I hope to talk to you again soon. I got a lot more to ask you. So, and I'm sure, I'm sure within three months, there'll be 3 million other things we can go through. Round two. <laughs> Round, Round two. two. Or what I'd like to say is to be continued. To be to be continued. That's what they used to do in the old yes, days. Yes. <laughs> be continued. Let's do that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, everything in the description, all your books, links, everything for you. Push it all I can and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And, and congratulations on all the success. Thank you so much.